Hey everyone, uh, we're here today with William Fink of Pristagenia.com, uh, one of the leading uh, CI um, people. And um, we're having our second conversation with them. We had one earlier a few months ago. Uh, we went over a lot of the Bible basics. Um, when we did that, um, I was going to upload um, all his Bible basics and then get questions from everyone. And Bill said that he'd come back on and answer those questions. So he graciously uh, is back with us again. So we're going to go over questions people have on his Bible basics. Um, but um, I wanted to talk to him about a few things, too, that um, I mentioned to him about stuff I've been reading lately that I thought would be important to share with people, especially with people that are first coming to CI so you don't get led astray because there are uh, CI people out there that are either misinformed and uh, have, you know, false teachings just because they're misinformed or they could be, uh, you know, agents trying to deceive people. So. Um, you know, so we have to uh, have uh, discernment, but people like Bill can definitely help us uh, in that regard. So um, before we get started, Bill, did you want to um, say anything? Give us an update on your life and what's happening with you? And I, I don't know if my life is so exciting that, that, that I have to um, <laughs> burden people with it. I, 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 I just... <laughs> I just run my mouth, right? That's all I do. I, I write and run my mouth. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping soon to be able to get back to two podcasts a week steadily. I'm planning on that in mid to late November. And, and I'm going to resume with the Protocols of Satan series. So that's my hope right now. Excellent. Okay. Um, well, do you want to get into the one, um, the question I have? Should I just go for it? Well, well, well yeah, we could do it. Okay. All right. So um, lately, um, I've been uh, looking into some books. So um, someone turned me on to the book, uh, Who is Esau Edom, Edom by uh, Charles A. Weissman. So um, I read that book, and he's a CI, you know, pastor, and um, he's also supposed to be a um, against universalism, too. So I thought, wow, you know, this is a good guy. Let's check this book out. And um, I read the book on Esau Edom, and everything in the book was really good. It was a really good read, except for he said one thing in there. He said that uh, Cain was an Adamite. And so I was like, huh? You know, big question mark. <laughs> like, what? And But everything else sounded really good. And then um, so I was looking for more books by him. And then I found his book called um, The Origin of Race and Civilization. And I read that book. And that book was really interesting because um, he goes through all the um, – he goes through God's word and God's works um, as to why um, – uh, humans are actually different species and we never find that right because they always say we're the human race right we're all one we're all the same it's only our skin color that makes us different but when you go through uh, his book he goes in great detail as to um, why um, the different species black Asian white and uh, are all different races are all different species and why and um, and he uses God's um, works, creation. He compares it to like the um, the animals, the plants, everything, how they're categorized, 
um, how the naturalists before uh, Darwin's theory of evolution uh, believed that God's believed in God's works, and when they um, you know did their um, scientific research, um, they reflected on that. You know, and how it all changed with uh, Darwin's theory of evolution and how they fudged the categories after that so that the line, so it fit with their theory of evolution. So it blurred the lines and made the races all as one. So one thing I, I um, noticed after I read this third book that I'll mention here in a second was that he, he went through all the races in great detail, but he never mentioned the Jew. So that I found interesting after the fact, after reading this third book, because um, if he went through um, all the characteristics of the Jew, like they go through brain size, uh, weight, um, the different lobe areas, how some areas um, are bigger, like in the Indians, where um, it's more, um, their animalistic lobe is uh, bigger, so they run on more animalistic instinct, but um, the lobe that has um, the emotions, empathy, stuff like that for them is small, whereas the white man, it's great, you know, so there are different aspects of um, the brain um, that give us our uh, nature, you know, and um, so if the Jew had a very small one for empathy, stuff like that, too, not only would it show he's a different species, but that would show that it's in his nature for the way he is, you know, that he has evil in his nature because you can even see it like in the brain, you know. So the third book I looked at was it's called um, something like um, What About Dual Seed Line? And I was like, what? Okay, what's this book? <laughs> <laughs> and so then I, I read that book and then um, he, so he doesn't believe in dual seed line. He does believe that um, Jews are from Esau Eden, but he does not believe that they're from Cain. And he says Cain's an Adamite. Um, he says that, um, that the uh, trees are just trees that um, uh, the tree of good and evil is not synonymous with the devil, but, um, you know, the tree of life is synonymous with Christ. So how does that work? Right. So he, he fudges things where he says that the, um, the devil didn't have sex with Eve that, um, um, you know, let's see, what other things does he say? Um, he says, um, I, I should have taken notes on this. I'm just rambling off the top of my head. Oh, he says the seed of the woman is really, uh, really um, describing Christ and not an actual seed line. He's saying that because uh, Christ was born a virgin, that's why he has the title of seed of the woman. So it's not an actual seed line. So it's kind of like he's trying to whitewash, um, you know, the Jews um, role in scripture and make it uh, more white, the white man's fault why we're in the situation we're in and that the Jews are, you know, just, uh, they're us, but like a different aspect of us, you know, something like that. But, um, so I did find, so after I read that, you know, I was like really confused and I went on, uh, Christogenia and I saw, um, Clifton did a podcast on it and I thought right on Clifton. <laughs> so I went there and I listened to Clifton's rebuttal on this exact book by Weissman. And I think Clifton did a really good job at the bottom. You commented that um, Clifton did a good job at um, it was uh, probably his first debate that he did mock debate and that he could have probably added to it. 
So um, I thought it would be great if, um, you know, if there's anything you want to say about it and kind of uh, discuss this for everybody so that if people, you know, get interested in Weissman's work, at least they have a, a warning, you know, so they understand um, that some of the stuff he teaches aren't, aren't correct and, um, you know, just be wary, I guess. Well, well those, away, first, the, those first two books that you mentioned, The Origins of Race and Civilization, it, it's not really um, true as concerning the origins of race. But from an anthropological viewpoint, it is good because like the anthropologists of the um, pre-evolution era, it 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 showed that there were definite distinctions biologically among the different races and that that all scientists all of those archaeologists anthropologists anybody in that category of, of um humanist studies understood this for hundreds of years and and the english that they did things like craniology which was measuring all of those differences in the craniums of the different races and, and actually equating differences in craniums and brain capacity to certain um, behavioral patterns. That, that was a popular um, science among anthropologists in the 19th century until, like you said, evolution redrew all the categories and, and rearranged everything that we understood about natural science in relation to man. So, Weissman did good with that part, but in the Bible, in the scriptures, God created only one race, the Adamic race, and there were other people here that he did not take credit for creating, period. It, it, it's very clear. Weissman, are, okay, let's go to who is Esau Edom for a moment. That is the second Weissman book that I read. I read those two books. I never read another Weissman book. But who is Esau Edom explains very well that these modern Jews are actually descended from the Edomites to a great degree. And they are, and that's true. And he traces them back to Esau in the scripture. And he did well, but he refused to trace them back further than that because they can indeed go back further than that. Esau was a son of Jacob, uh, I mean, a son of Isaac and Rebekah and the brother of Jacob the full-blooded brother of Jacob. So Esau himself could not have been evil. Paul of Tarsus in Hebrews chapter 11, or chapter 12 perhaps, calls Esau a profane man and a fornicator. That's why he sold his birthright. Fornication in the New Testament is race mixing. When we go back to Genesis, it's very clear that Esau's mother tells her husband, my heart is troubled for the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of the land, like Esau did, what good will my life do me? So Isaac, in Genesis chapter 28, tells 
Jacob, you go marry a woman of your own people up in Padanaram, where, where our fathers came from, and you will inherit the blessings that were promised to Abraham. So Jacob inherited the blessings that were promised to Abraham because he married somebody of his own race, where Esau married Canaanites. Now, Canaan was the son of Ham. Can Charles Weissman explain why it was so evil that Esau married Canaanites? No, he can't. He can't explain it adequately. He can't. Because he won't go back further to see the corruption that occurred in the book of Genesis and even before that. Because as I've explained, Christ came to reveal secrets that were kept from the foundation of the world, to reveal things kept secret from the foundation of the world. So, through Genesis alone, you cannot understand what's going on because Genesis is basically written in parables. The first several chapters of Genesis contain parables. And Genesis chapter 3 is one of those parables. You don't understand what the tree of the knowledge of good and evil could be until you get to Revelation chapter 12 and the story about the rebellion from God and the fallen angels who are equated to that old serpent in the garden. And Weissman and all of these, um, we call them C.I. Light, Christian identity light people of his ilk refuse to make that association, even though the revelation tells us that the fallen angels were led by that old serpent or Satan. When you get to Genesis chapter 10, there's a, there's a flood, and I can basically prove that it was a local flood, when you get to Genesis chapter 10, you have a list of nations descended from Noah. And you get to Genesis chapter 15. And in fact, let's go to Genesis chapter 14. Now, all the descendants of Noah are listed in Genesis chapter 10. And in Genesis chapter 14, we see Rephaim. And those Rephaim, that word means giants. And the giants existed before the flood in Genesis chapter 6. And a lot of those C.I. light people will say, oh no, in Genesis chapter 6, the angels came down, which I don't believe, and married um, the daughters of Adam and created the giants. But no, that's not what Genesis chapter 6 says. Genesis chapter 6 says there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the angels and the daughters of men mated, if you want to call them angels, that there's a that that's another digression. Well, the giants were already in the earth. Where'd they come from? God didn't create giants. There's nothing about giants in, in Genesis chapter 1 or Genesis chapter 2 or 3 or 4 or 5. Where did the giants come from? Well, that word translated giants in Genesis chapter 6 is Nephilim. And Nephilim means fallen ones. And those Nephilim 
who are those fallen ones, must be those fallen angels in Revelation chapter 12. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Charles Weissman denies that. He denies all of it. He don't want to hear it. Why? He must have an agenda. It's perfectly clear. So these, genis these giants are already in the earth in Genesis chapter 6. Well, if you go look at Genesis chapter 14, verse 5, we see Rephaim, that's giants, and Zuzims, and that means roving creatures, an ancient people of uncertain origins. Well, I'll tell you what, they sure as hell aren't mentioned in the genealogical table of Genesis chapter 10. We have that genealogical table for a reason. These Rephaim and Zuzims and Emims, E-M-I-M-S, that means terrors. A people that the Hebrews considered terrors and a people that the Hebrew considered Hebrews considered roving creatures are with these giants in the land of Canaan. Why are the Canaanites screwed up? Why are the Canaanites rejected? Let's go to Genesis chapter 15, and we see the, Can the, the Canaanites are mentioned with Gergesites and Jebusites and Hittites, and those people are all different branches of the Canaanites and the Ammonite, Amorites. They're all different branches of the Canaanites mentioned in Genesis chapter 10. And Canaan was cursed, and that's a different story. But also in the land of Canaan, all mingled together, all these tribes were Kenites, and they're the descendants of Cain, and Kenizzites, and Cadmonites, and Perizzites, who have no genealogy in Genesis chapter 10, they're not mentioned there, and the Rephaim, the giants, again, again. So, Charles Weissman refused to connect those dots in Scripture from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to the fallen angels of Revelation chapter 12, who are identified with that old serpent, the devil and Satan, and then take those dots and, and, and draw the lines from serpent to Cain, and, and then from tree of knowledge of good and evil to giants, and into this amalgamation of races in the land of Canaan. He refused to do that. If you can't do that, you're never going to get anything right. So two yeah, seed lines. Yeah, he, he doesn't. Like, he doesn't have a good good explanation for um, you know when he talks about touch and stuff, and he says it it doesn't mean uh, sleeping with the serpent, but then he says it just means you know touch and actually physically ate right fruit from the tree, but that doesn't really explain what the what the big deal is. Then you know what I mean? I mean the whole. The whole crux of the the, the story is because um, uh, you have Cain who's evil, and the Jews are from Cain, you know, and that's the whole story of of the of our struggle, you know, basically. Well, well right, but to me, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. To me, in Scripture, God created one race, the white Adamic race, and I could prove, and I have that all of those families of Genesis chapter 10 were all originally white. 
So where did the other races come from? The only explanation is that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's why in the end, the end proves the beginning. In the end, you have sheep and you have goats. And everyone who is not a sheep is a goat. And the sheep are only the lost sheep of the children of Israel. The sheep are only white and everybody else is a goat. Why are they goats? What is their fate? Matthew chapter 25. Their fate is the lake of fire reserved for the devil and his angels. Why is that their fate? Because your fate, your destiny is determined by your origin, period. Weissman would never admit that. Do you think that... Um... Do you have any uh, speculation as to why he has that uh, view? I, I, why he's that, so off there? Yeah, you know, first, that, that this is such a complicated topic because there are so many variables. Christianity was um, not a universalist religion in the days of the apostles. But the version of Christianity, which was acceptable to the Roman Empire, and eventually made the state religion was a universalist religion. It wasn't real Christianity. It was a form of Christianity which became amenable to the empire. Otherwise, the, the empire would have never accepted it if it was still true to its, to its root founding and, and, its, and, and its, own, um, its own documents and testimonies. They would have never accepted it. They created a universal Christianity that could that the empire could put on at, as a front and continue itself. And that's the story of Revelation chapter 13. And, and that's what happened. That's the story of the prophecy of Revelation chapter 13 and its fulfillment. Well, well you know, Rome ruled the world until the 19th century, almost 18th century, un under this um, this false universalist Christianity, and along came the British Empire, and archaeological discovery, and the British Israel movement came from that. At the same time, you had Protestantism, so the power of the Pope was, was dead by the 18th century in most of Europe and, and in America. Well, British archaeologists started to study the ancient world and dig up all these wonderful documents and monuments in what was formerly Persia and Assyria and, and Syria and, and Anatolia. And they were able to establish the historical connections between people of modern Europe and the people of the ancient Levant and Mesopotamia, and especially the people known as the Kimri or Kumri or Kimroi, which were, was the Assyrian word for the ancient Israelites. They also made the links between the Phoenicians who settled in the British Isles and, and the Israelites of, of ancient Palestine. So they made these links and British Israel was born. British Israel was born on firm um, archaeological ground, but it was immediately poisoned by Jews. And the British Israel people 
they believed that they were descended from Joseph, but the Jews were descended from Judah, even though they're distinctly different races. So we had to um, live with this for so many, so many years. Well, well, this is a learning is a progression. Discovery is a progression. And there were, by the 1930s, 1940s, American um, British Israel type of people who um, studied, studied more and continued to improve their understanding and eventually came to this understanding of what they called two seed line, that the Jews really weren't Judah. The Jews were actually from this seed of the serpent, which came through Cain, through Canaan, the, the mixture with the giants through Esau and, and on down to Edomia and, and Palestine in the first century, which was mostly Edomite and to the Jews of today. So that understanding started to develop from the 1930s, 1940s, perhaps. And, and we got Bill Gale and Wesley Swift and Bertrand Compare. Well, there was a, a collection of British Israel type people in America that was firmly entrenched when those discoveries were made, when those realizations were made, and they rejected them. But a lot of those early um, two seed line teachers, and I think the term two seed line is actually kind of unfortunate. But they only saw the Jews as enemies. They saw the other races as beasts that God created, or perhaps Genesis 1 men as opposed to Genesis 2 men. And there's a lot of problems with that, right? There really is. And they saw... Um, the Jews alone as descending from this seed line, this serpent seed line. And there's also a lot of problems with that. But they described this union of the serpent and Eve as an angel come down from heaven to seduce Eve. And, and they do the same thing again in Genesis 6. And all of that is ridiculous. And, and it's not a necessary interpretation at all. There are much more common sense, pragmatic interpretations that have a much firmer foundation in scripture and in reality. But they didn't go the pragmatic route. That, that, and, and a lot of these um, earlier British Israel types have a foundation in Protestantism and not in Catholic angelology. And, and they rejected all that. So for various reasons, they continue to reject it because they don't believe that an angel can come down from heaven and sleep with a woman. Well, I don't either. I don't accept that either. But that interpretation is not necessary to understanding Genesis. If you look at ancient Sumerian literature, ancient Babylonian and Akkadian literature, heaven was a description for the seats of power and government on earth. It was like an idiom, an idiomatic expression to call the palaces of the kings and the wealthy and the merchants heaven. Okay. And that was opposed to earth, 
where the, the average person spent his life, right? And, and even though heaven also refers to the heights of the sky, it was used as an idiom to describe the seats of power in government. When the angels fell from heaven, it may have very well simply been a race of men here that existed at one time, but now only continues on in a corrupt form because they fell from the seats of power and the grace of God through race mixing, through the bastardization of their own race. They are the fallen angels. And in, in, I have a paper explaining that the phrase sons of God in Genesis chapter 6 should almost certainly read sons of heaven. And in some Septuagint manuscripts, which are quite old, it actually says angels instead. And that race, that fallen race by the early Hebrews would be called the sons of heaven or the sons of the angels or the angels or the fallen angels because that's what they were. That's how they're described in the Revelation. You know, it took years and years for men to sort all this out. And, and I, I just um, continued on the ground that Compare and Swift had left. And, and that's all on my website. And, and refined the message and, and proved it further and, and drew more lines between the dots. But the way that Swift, the fantastic way that Swift would teach to seed line was rejected by these early um, British Israel types who had a grounding in Protestantism and, and they continued to reject it. Yeah, you know, one other thing, too, um, you know, he was talking about um, the seed of the woman as not being a seed line. He, he was saying that that was a term for Christ. Well, and well, um, because just real quick. So um, because it, like if you think if um, if Cain was born from Satan, that um, um, Seth would be born from Adam, right? It would you would think it would be seed of the uh, seed of Adam against seed of the serpent right? And not seed of the woman. So that he was making a case there. But then um, when I was listening to Clifton, he was saying, um, you know, that the woman can have a seed because he was saying a woman can't have a seed. Eve can't have a seed. But he was saying Sarah had a seed, right? She had uh, nations. Romans it it says nine. in the Bible from Sarah. Yeah. So, so he was explaining it that way. But did you want to uh, mention, talk about that a little? Because some people might be confused about that too. Why is it called seed of the woman let's go back to revelation chapter 12 and the dragon was wroth with the woman and went off to make war with the the remnant of her seed come on and and also the whore that right is, right is well, us well, and that's a woman right. so absolutely that whore is the same woman that yeah. whore is the same <laughs> woman yeah john yeah. It, if you read Revelation chapter 12, the woman is taken off into the wilderness to be nurtured, to be nurtured for a time, times, and half a time from the face of the serpent. And then in Revelation chapter 17, John is taken off into the wilderness to see a woman who is now a whore. 
I, I mean, it's the same woman. Why would John be taken to the wilderness to see a woman yeah. sit upon a scarlet-colored beast and, and full of names of blasphemy? We are that woman. When our ancient ancestors came into Europe, that they received the Christian gospel, they were nurtured by God, by angels. The angels were the messengers of the gospel for a time, times, and half a time, 1,260 years. And then all of a sudden, the same woman became a whore. Why? Because the Jews infiltrated women and infiltrated Europe and corrupted our Christian society and turned us into whores. So we're the whore. Yeah. And and we're the bride of Christ, right? That um that Yahweh had to divorce us from well, well, uh, why? In the, in, and yes. die die for us so he could divorce us. Yes. That that word yeah. seed is always a collective plural. It's a Protestant idea, it's a universalist idea that the seed is only Christ and that the heirs are anybody who says they believe in Christ because he's the only seed. And that's not true. Paul constantly uses that word seed to refer to a collective of people. And that's the way it's always used in the Old Testament and, and in the Gospels. That word seed is only singular in the sense of when you look at your only son and say, he's my seed, but it's still plural. It's still a plural collective because when you say that your son is your seed, your hopes are that he will have many descendants. So he's carrying your collective plural seed. So do, do you think that Weissman might have uh, had an, uh, a Protestant upbringing, and so he was um, stuck in those teachings, and that influenced his um, writings? Well, well, I do think, I don't know if Weissman was specific, specifically Protestant, but most of those early Christian identity teachers were. They had Protestant upbringings, Protestant backgrounds. Very few people were born into Christian identity families that were free of the, the church indoctrination. I really believe that Weissman had a lot of church indoctrination. Now, did he have an agenda? Who knows? Because some of those um, anti-seedliners, I should call them, some of them do have agendas. Some of them are mixed race or have children of mixed race or spouses of mixed race or whatever, that they don't want to dismiss the other races. They can't come to a fully racial awareness of scripture because they have that baggage that, that blinds them. And, and some of them just have empathy and, and altruism for other races. So, yeah, because so his last name, you know, I like, I like the, um, you know, I always look at like the etymology and the, the wordplay and stuff like that. And Weissman, you know, the Weiss part is an anagram for wise. So you have wise man and then, and then Weiss is, um, the color white in German, right? So white man. Right. <laughs> so he has, a, he actually has a good last name if, you know, but, um, but it's a shame that his teachings are off. Well, well, right, they are, and and it is a shame. Yeah. But he passed um, two years ago, I think, and he knows the truth now. Yeah, I'm going to be arrogant enough to say that. 
there's um, a plethora of these people. I could sit and name them for half an hour who are who have been long time um, Christian identity pastors or writers that reject to seed line and they won't even talk to me. <laughs> they won't talk to me. Yeah. They flee. That's from a shame. Me. Ted Wyland flees from me. I pursue him every time I see him on Facebook. He flees from, and I'm, and I'm cordial. I'm not rude. I just challenge him on a, on a gentlemanly basis. He flees. They won't even talk to me. Yeah, that's a shame, you know, because truth, right? Truth above all. I mean, if, if he really was interested in the truth, he shouldn't have an issue if he, you know, firmly believed, believes um, what he's uh, preaching, then he shouldn't have an issue talking with you and him fleeing, you know, shows that he, um, he doesn't um, firmly believe what he's saying. I've, I've, you know, I've and that tried... they're, they're, that you might have the truth, you know, <laughs> so. I've tried half a dozen times in the last three, four years to talk to Ted Wyland when I see him on Facebook, and he just flees. He blocks me. He, he deletes my posts on his wall. I posted right on his wall on Facebook. He deletes my posts and blocks me. He's a pussy. He's a pussy. <laughs> That's not a bad word. That's short for pusillanimous. That's where the word comes from. He's pusillanimous. He's a pussy. <sighs> That's funny. Yeah, I, I just want to um, mention everybody um, that's going to be listening to this recording. They're uh, going to wonder why um, our chat isn't live. And uh, it's because um, William is uh, marked um, as pre-crime now. William, uh, Dennis Wise, and Sven Longshanks. Um, when um, the last uh, interview I did, I believe it was with, I um, can't remember if it was Dennis or Sven, I, but whichever one it was, they wouldn't let us go live. And then I recorded it because uh, I just thought there was maybe a glitch with YouTube. So we recorded it and then I uploaded it, it to uh, YouTube and they immediately took it down and they gave me a strike. So um, so I don't even deal with uh, YouTube anymore. BitChute's my... Uh, main channel. So just if people are wondering how come it's not on YouTube and how come it's not um, a live chat, just wanted to mention that. So please go to William's site, um, you know, um, for all this kind of info and, and you could check out at Christogenia and then I have all this at BitChute. So on my BitChute. Well, we have a chat yeah. at, at Christogenia that you could have used if, if I'd have thought about offering it, if I didn't know you were going to have a chat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it would be great. I love when people can uh, <laughs> listen in live and then they have comments and stuff. You know, that's the best part about it, you know, well, is get, getting people uh, to interact with us. So, I mean, we do have a few people here on our on our little group thing. But, yeah, it, we can't just let everyone, you know, in from the public. But um, we did have some questions for you, you know, so I did post all the uh the Bible basics and um, people did have questions. Um, Truthvids has um, a list of questions. If you don't mind, um, I'll let Truthvids take over and um, and ask those of you if that's okay. Fine. That's yeah. Fine. Hey, it's Bill, how's it going? It's your program. <laughs> Just tell me what you want to do. Okay. <laughs> 
So um, basically, I just wrote a list of questions from Bible Basics and also a few that I've just got that when I've spoken to other CI people, you know, questions have just arisen and I thought that I can answer them very well. So hopefully I could pass them on to you. So I thought I'd just start with Genesis. The first question was, what caused the angels to fall? Uh, was it that they fell and then they race mixed and miscegenated, or was it the race mixing that caused them to fall? That's always never been fully clear. Well, well, it, it's not exactly fully clear. I, I mean, Revelation twelve, Revelation chapter twelve only states that there was a a rebellion from God, and that Satan drew away a third of the angels. But the Enoch literature, and when I say Enoch literature, I don't mean one Enoch. I, I just mean the Enoch literature that's found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, which some of is in one Enoch. But there's a lot of stuff in one Enoch that is probably not a traditional part of the original Enoch literature. There's a lot of stuff in one Enoch that doesn't belong there. The Enoch literature explains that they committed miscegenation and seems to indicate that that's the reason why they fell. Now, miscegenation or, or race mixing or, or actually species mixing in this case, the way the Enoch literature describes it, would certainly be an act of rebellion against God whose law is kind after kind, as Genesis, the Genesis creation account is related. Yeah, that makes sense. And if they wanted to be gods themselves and have their own creations, that would be the way that they would try to do it, right? Well, absolutely. And and as we see in the parable of the wheat and the tares in Matthew chapter 13, God planted a field of wheat and the devil came right in and planted tares in the field of wheat. How did that happen? That's the story of the creation of Cain. That's how it happened. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, no so the other question was, I understand the you know, angels chained in darkness would seem to indicate their offspring, that is the chains of darkness. But it's never really explained, where are these fallen angels now? Uh, that's a question I can just never answer. I just don't know. Uh, do we know if they're locked away or, you know, their bodies were taken away and they're just in the supernatural realm now. Yeah, you know, where their spirits are, I can't answer that question. I can't. Yeah, that's that's always my answer. I just we don't know, it's not stated in the Bible. We are told that they are bound in chains of darkness, awaiting the judgment of the great day. That's what we're told. Now to me, that could simply mean that their progeny, their offspring, are bound in chains of darkness. Now, that would have to be the other races. It couldn't be our race. And that would include the Jews. A lot of people don't realize that, that these Jews, the Arabs are just as much the blood of the Jews that the Jews are. Most Arabs are also Jews. They're the same blood. They're all from the ancient Canaanites. And not only most Arabs, but most Turks, 
most other people in the Near East by now have all been mixed with the same Canaanite blood. Most of the Northern Africans are all mixed with the same Canaanite blood. They're all related. The Mexicans, yeah. a lot of South Americans, they're all related. That they were in China, they're all related. Well, the uh, Chinese are often called the Jews of Asia, right? Yeah, right. But yeah, you know the that there's evidence, and and there was I forget his name, but there was a French anthropologist in the in the 18th 19th century that wrote about this. There is um, historical evidence that the Arabs were bringing Negro slaves into China 700 B.C. Yeah, and you did a podcast recently where you even showed that many of the Mexicans, South Americans, same thing, all got that Canaanite blood in them. Right, to a great extent. Yes, they do. The so so it all, the whole world is now Israel versus Edom almost. The well, two that's, that, that's why these other races are basically the flood from the mouth of the serpent, as it's described in Revelation chapter 12. Yeah. So another question uh, I always get when I'm debating CI is all these other civilizations that obviously the Jews won't let us, you know, do a proper checkup. And when I say other ones, I mean the pyramids in South America, there's some ancient structures in Australia, even in America, there seems to have been something. Would that have been the fallen angels then? Because I can't imagine how else, uh, you know, these pyramids were built over there. Well, there was probably a Phoenician and maybe even an Egyptian presence in that. Oh, region. really? That's very possible. It's very plausible. But if they belong to ancient Phoenicians or ancient Egyptians or to the whatever society the fallen angels had here before their fall, right? Because there are all over the world, there are monuments that are not explained in the context of our history. The cradle of the white race is Mesopotamia. And the white race branched out from Mesopotamia, and they didn't all go west into the Mediterranean basin and into Europe. Some of them went east, and they brought all their tales and accounts with them. But there's a lot of monuments outside of that that are of a very old date that we can't explain. And I don't try to explain them, except with the understanding that there was a race of these angels, that's all they're called in our perspective, angels that were here before us. And that could have been 100,000 years before us. That Genesis creation is not describing six literal 24-hour days. Not at all. We can trace through our own classical literature and our own monuments, we can trace the origins of our race back to Mesopotamia perhaps seven or 8,000 years ago, 7,500 by the Septuagint chronology. And you don't really find our race anywhere before that. There seem to be people, Neanderthals or Cro-Magnon man, who seem to be white before that. 
and I would identify them with the fallen angels or corruptions because the fallen angels corrupted themselves of the fallen angels. Right, and it would certainly seem possible or plausible that the angels could maintain some form of civilization, but if they did disappear at some point, their race mix offspring, uh, the civilization would collapse immediately without the angels. Right, and, and there's monuments even in Anatolia that we can't explain. Catalhoyuk is one of them, where people dwelt in these dwellings that were dug into the ground and they entered them through narrow little passages on, on their roofs and they built ladders to get down inside. And I believe they're probably the people that the Greeks called troglodytes, people that lived in holes in the ground. And we have um, basically the same structures in parts of sub-Saharan Africa. I believe in Kenya, yeah. where people live in these, that these mud structures that are dug into the ground, and they enter in through the roofs and go down in ladders. And that's where they And live. they were always into human sacrifice, cannibalism, and all kinds of savagery. Right. At Catahoyuk, there's a, there's a um, iconography. It, it's, there's several drawings and inscriptions that have been identified as jaguars. And, and in our history, we don't have jaguars in Anatolia. <laughs> yeah. Or, or um, so another question I've seen, uh, in the Garden of Eden, the being that seduced Eve... It would have have to have been an angel, right? It couldn't have been some bastard offspring. It only makes sense if it was a fallen angel, perhaps even the head, the Satan with a capital S. Well, head well right. And, and to me, you know, there's apocryphal literature um, identifying that entity as, as this angel or that angel um, or another angel. That, and and I don't necessarily agree with any of those identifications. It's not important to me, but it does seem to have been an actual um, one of the actual fallen angels and not necessarily a bastard offspring of a fallen angel. And yeah, funny enough, um, I just had a conversation with one of the Chrysogenia forum members on that, and he said he believed it was Azazel. And the reason for that was, I believe, is it in Leviticus when they sacrificed to two goats and one sent off into the wilderness and exactly. it's translated as scapegoat. Exactly. But he said it should right. be translated as Azazel. Sorry, I might be uh, mispronouncing that. Azazel, if, Azazel if, is, fa is fine. Azazel, Azazel. Is <laughs> yeah, well. That the, um, right, that word scapegoat, actually should not have been translated scapegoat. It should have been left as a name, Azazel. And that Azazel angel is mentioned in the Enoch literature. And I don't think it's in the Dead Sea Scrolls. It might be, I don't remember. But it is in the Ethiopic Enoch, where Yahweh says, blame it all on Azazel. Yeah. Several times. Blame it all on Azazel. So, 
it, it's um, well, there's he was the leader of the rebellion everything that happened or transpired from that point on would be because of his actions so it would make sense you know in a way well, well right and i don't even see that as a personal name i just see that as a label that was put on him by the prophets of god right so it could be like a title almost yes i believe so okay now, now um, so next, it's Samael, right? But those Targums, to me, are an attempt, an attempt by um, early Judeans who weren't necessarily Edomite Jews. They may have been, but we don't know because we can't really get back to the second or third century to identify these people. The Judeans were a mixed race population. Many of them were Edomites. Some of them were Israelites. They didn't all accept Christ. They're all mixed together within several hundred years. It don't matter. But whether or not the writers of the Targums, the Aramaic Targums, were white Israelites or mixed Edomites, it, it can't be determined at this point in, in time. But the Targums try to pin it on a, a, an angel named Samael. And that might be the Targum Jonathan or the Palestinian Targum. I forget which one. The, the important part there is that the Targums, the writers of the Targums understood that Genesis chapter 4 verse 1 was corrupt, and they tried to correct it with their own understanding. So now we know how they understood it, even if it's not literally accurate. Yeah, they were trying to repair the verse. Right. Yeah. Okay, um, another topic that often comes up is the whole devils, demons thing. Uh, the way I've tried to explain it to, you know, CI people is anything that does not originate from God uh, is a devil, you know, like a biped, you know, uh, basically the other races, they're all devils, Jews, Chinamen, whatever. But when they die and they're disembodied, they are then demons. Basically, a demon is a devil without a body. Does that make sense? Well, well right. Yeah, you know, when, when John, the Apostle John, in his first epistle, exhorts his readers to test every spirit, whether or not it is from God. And he's not talking about disembodied spirits. He's talking about embodied spirits. And right there, we should understand that there are men who are from God, and there are men who are not from God. And that's another thing that the people like Charles Weissman can't understand properly. There are men who are from God, and there are men who are not from God. Like Christ had said, ye are from beneath, I am from above. Well, the entire Adamic race is from above. But there are people here on this planet who are not, who are from beneath, because they were created in that rebellion of the fallen angels. This, uh, there's probably a thousand scriptures that all tie this story together, that make it, yeah. once you understand it, it's indubitable. It can't be doubted. So to, to put it simply, you're either an Adamite or a devil. There's, there's no in-between, just like sheep and goats. Right, exactly. So 
In the Enoch literature, we're informed that demons come from the spirits of bastards. That's what we're informed. And even Paul of Tarsus says that you're a bastard or you're a son. There's no other choice. So do all bastards produce demons? I can't say that. I don't know. I don't know. But when I see somebody of another race, I understand that I'm looking at an embodied demon. Yeah, right. So um, in one of it, it, Paul's epistles, um, off the top of my head, I can't remember, he accuses one of the people in Europe of worshipping devils, was it? Or it might be demons. And by that, he meant that they were worshipping the pagan gods. And right. my understanding was that these literally were at one point uh, Nephilim or giants that throughout the ages, you know, the Canaanites had given them a better picture. They had humanized them and made them, you know, uh, Apollo or, you know, all the other gods rather than calling them giants. And that's how people began to worship them. But they were still those same demons. Well, well that's absolutely true. And, and let me get to that in one second. I just wanted to tell Rosette that I did put a link. I, I noticed that I didn't have it. I put a link to the Christogenia chat room right under the welcome message on the front page of Christogenia.org. It, it says oh, right. click here for our chat room. I, I don't know if anybody's going to use it or not. It's getting kind of late already. We've, it, I, we're into at least 45, 50 minutes already, right? It, time's flying. I could stay here for as long as y'all want, though. My, my next right appointment on. is at 7 p.m. So <laughs> I could stay okay. for, for a while. Um, okay. Now, now if I could remember where we were. In Colossians, so yeah, all, all the um, you know, gods like I've, Hades, I've uh, Poseidon. I'm sorry. Apollo. In Colossians, in his epistle to the Colossians, in chapter 2, I believe, Paul talks about the worshiping of angels. And he's ostensibly talking about the worship of fallen angels. In 1 Corinthians, in chapter 10, Paul talks about, no, yes, yes, here it is. Behold, Israel after the flesh. That's according to the flesh. And he's talking about the nations of Europe. Behold, Israel, according to the flesh, are not they which eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar. But I say that the, the things which the nations sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And, he's, and, and I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Well, who were the nations sacrificing to? To those gods that you just mentioned. Apollo, Poseidon, um, Mars, if you're a Roman, um, Diana, or Artemis, if you're a Greek, Athena, or Anath, if you're a Phoenician, who is a, 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 another variation of Ishtar, the fertility goddess of the Babylonians, which is where the name Esther and the name Easter come from. So all these um, pagan myths are also linked together. Uh, all of these that they just had different names for basically the same demonic entities. And Paul tells us on those two occasions or, or that these are devils or angels linking them together. Well, only fallen angels would be devils. 
and that is the source of the ancient pagan religions. And that is fully evident in the Babylonian creation myths, in the Epic of Gilgamesh, and other related literature that is telling the other side of the story from the Hebrew Bible. The Hebrew Bible is God's side of the story, and all these Babylonian and Akkadian um, epics and creation myths are the fallen angel side of the story. Right, and then they did it again with the Catholic Church, but they were a bit sneakier. You could now worship Peter the Apostle, and uh, you know you might get some fortune or Andrew the Apostle, and it's just the same thing, wasn't it? They just changed well, well, Poseidon into say Peter. The Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church—they're one, right? They started out as one. They were corrupt right from the beginning. If you look at 300 years of early Christian writing, you will not find the term Christian priest. There is no such thing as a Christian priesthood. But Christianity got so popular it could not be stopped. And the authorities in Rome had to do something about it because they were losing. You can control my, my, my person at the force of arms, but you can't control my mind unless you control my religion. If you don't control my religion, there's always the chance that I'm going to rise up against you and make you my slave. Christianity was getting so popular in the Roman Empire that the Romans had to do something about it because they were losing control. They were losing that spiritual control they had over the people. So all of a sudden, pagan priests took down their signs that said Apollo and put up signs that said St. Andrew and became, quote-unquote, Christian priests. But they kept all their pagan practices and all their pagan beliefs. They just painted them in Christian language. The, the Catholic Church was never Christian, ever. There may have been good men yeah, exactly. who operated from inside the church. There were good popes that were actually decent men, but they were never Christian. Yeah. So, so another common question I get is people who believe there's ghosts and spirits. And I've always explained to them, there are no good ghosts. Um, all Adamites, they're with Christ now. And if there really is a spirit haunting a house, it can only be an evil bastard spirit. Would that be well, true? Well, well, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I, I would be very wary of any ghost or spirit. I, I would consider it a demon. Yeah, that's exactly how I described it. That God does not need ghosts and spirits to communicate with me. Yeah. Inspiration comes without the communication of intermediaries. Mm -hmm. The one um, time, I do, the, I'm I sorry. do recall, um, it might be in the Enoch literature or one of the apocryphal books that um, when a giant died, it would leave a haunt, a spirit that would haunt a village because it had a stronger spirit because it was more angel. It had more angel blood in it, if that makes sense. Sorry, I probably described that badly. I don't remember that, but 
the Enoch literature is very problematical, and and that's why I kind of stick to what I've seen in the Dead Sea Scrolls. I have cited one Enoch, but only when I have corroborating passages in the Dead Sea Scrolls that tell me that the passage I'm citing in one Enoch it is at least authentic. Yep. Okay, um, I wanted to move on to, would it be fair to say that every great white empire, every great white society, at least the majority of them, they've all fell to one, for one reason, race mixing. I mean, I know that sometimes uh, white nations would war with each other and one would destroy the other, but generally that's what caused the collapse. Well, well, right. That 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 um, idea of global trade, global mercantilism, and we're told in the Revelation that it's the dragon that gives its power to the beast. These world empires have always been considered beasts by God, and every time a great nation rises up and becomes an empire, it has to support universalism and accept everybody, and and eventually it can't stay together like that. That's the iron and the clay mixing in together that don't cleave to one another. And eventually it's going to collapse, and that is basically what happened to practically every great empire. That's what happened to Egypt. You can trace, I, I, I have shown this, it's on my website somewhere. It's in my writing. It's in podcasts. In um, the older dynasties in Egypt, other races besides the Egyptians were not even considered people. They weren't people. In the founding documents of the United States, slaves, meaning Negroes, because all the slaves were Negroes, were not people. They were counted as six-tenths of a person for representation purposes only, which shows that they were not people. The ancient Egyptians did not consider any other race to be people. Only Egyptians were people. That was a self-defense mechanism against universalism. And by the time of the Middle Kingdom, in the... Um, let's see if I can get this right. It might be this... It's the, let, it's the warnings of Ipu-Wer. Ipu-Wer, I-P-U-W-E-R, was an Egyptian prophet from the Middle Kingdom who was upset that strangers were becoming people everywhere. And if you read the older hymns to Amon-Re, only Egyptians were people. And if you read the hymns from the Middle Kingdom, they were professing that Amon-Re made men of all colors. The original Egyptian god only made Egyptians. The Egyptian god of the Middle Kingdom made all men, and strangers were becoming people everywhere. I don't know which um, presentation I have. Maybe I'll try to find it here while we chat. 
But that's the exact same thing that's happening today and has happened with every empire, just over and over again. Can the I same rise, the same fall, the same collapse. Hey, so, uh, Bill, is there any uh, instance in history that you know of where a white nation um, uh, started race mixing but then turned it around, like realized what they were doing was wrong and turned it around and like expelled and, you know, killed off the mixers, anything like that? Or have, have they all just fallen? I'm just wondering, cause I'm thinking about, um, you know, our, our countries today, like in America, like if everybody woke up, if something happened and everybody woke up, you know, if, if we could turn it around, I mean, I, I don't think that, you know, that that's in God's plan, but I'm just wondering if it ever happened in the past, you know? That the um, first, the Egyptian literature I'm referring to is in my essay, The Race of Genesis 10 on Christogenia. It's there. It's towards the middle. The recovery from race mixing. No. I, I mean, there's a small example of it on a small scale in the book of Ezra in scripture. But that was only one city, Jerusalem, after the return from Babylon. 42,000 people um, returned to Jerusalem and re refounded and rebuilt the city. And they started race mixing with the Canaanites and Ezra forced them to separate and, and to repent and put out all their, all their mixed kids had to go out. And, and that actually helped sustain Jerusalem for the next couple of hundred years until they started mixing again and converting the Edomites. Well, well, on a large scale, no, it's never happened. It, it's Egypt was overrun by Nubians in the um, eighth or seventh century BC. In there, and so was ancient white Ethiopia, overrun by Nubians. Ethiopia never recovered. There were white Ethiopians later, but a lot of them were probably Greeks. Ethiopia never really recovered. Egypt was ruled by Nubians for about 75 years. There was a black dynasty in Egypt. And the Egyptians eventually came back to power in Egypt, but they never got rid of the black blood. And Egypt had a short-lived revival from the time of the pharaoh Necho in the 5th century BC down to the coming of the Macedonians. They had a short-lived revival, but they were only a shadow of their former self. They could never project their power overseas again. And the Ptolemies came, who were Macedonian Greeks, and they built the Egypt, and they mimicked the ancient Egyptians, but they didn't mingle with the blood of the Egyptians, not for a long time. They built Egypt into what it was in the days of Cleopatra and Antony. But even then, it was always a second-rate power. Egypt was never great again, not even under the Ptolemies. They were defeated by Rome. They were defeated by the Seleucids several times. They were, they were always a second-rate power. They were never a first-rate power again. And that's probably the, the best any ancient... <laughs> any ancient civilization had done after large-scale race mixing.
I can't remember. I, I don't know if if any other survive. I, I mean, the Assyrian Empire was destroyed by other whites, and Persia became decadent and ripe, very ripe for the um, the defeat by Alexander the Great in, in the late fourth century BC. Um, Persia became decadent through world trade and luxury and, and probably a, a breakdown of the ethnic barriers between the groups in the Near East. Yeah. You know, today... You can't uh, say that all the European nations, some of them have been here for 2,000 years and they're still going strong. Yet, you know, all these other old nations, they're completely gone. They're wiped off the map. They're just hell holes. It can no... only be explained by race mixing. A absolutely. But even Italy, Italy was the greatest of nations at one time. And now it's a shadow of its former self. And, and it, it'll never be a, 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 a leading nation again. It's only sustained by the rest of Europe and by northern the northern Italians who are still predominantly white. But it, if southern Italy had to stand on its own, it wouldn't be any better than the Congo. <laughs> yeah, and even the um, northern families, they refused to let their offspring marry the southern families. At least, right. you know, they used to. Wasn't Greece. that a thing? Well, well, you know, until recently, Italy was only united back into Italy in the late 1800s, 1875 maybe, something like that, under um, Garibaldi. Italy was separate little kingdoms for a long time, which probably helped maintain the Italian stock in the north. Yeah. Against the Arab. Yeah, you know, the Sicil I don't know that every Sicilian is mixed. I wouldn't say that. I haven't been to Sicily, but the Arabs lived in Sicily and southern Italy for a long, long time, for many centuries. And they never left. Yeah. The Normans came and took rulership of Sicily over from, from Arab sheiks, but the Arabs never really left. Yeah. So um, moving into like Asia, um, China, Tibet, Japan, is it possible that there were these were all once Aryan civilizations that gradually, and that's why they seem to have some kind of civilization, but it's just a shadow? Central Asia was at one time very white and very blonde. And not all the Scythians went to Europe. Not all the Germanic tribes went to Europe. There were, there was, a large um, presence of the Massagete on what what I would call the Oxus and Jakartas rivers. I, I don't know what their modern names are like. The Sudaria, the Sudaria River is the Oxus River. I think Amu Daria is the Oxus River, and it's the Aru Aru Amu Amu Daria now. It. It's basically along the border between Uzbekistan and Turkmenistan. And the Sir Daria River was the ancient Jexartes River. That is above the Amu Daria, um, probably a couple of hundred miles above modern Uzbekistan. Um, 
I don't know the exact province it runs through Kazakhstan, southern Kazakhstan. Those two rivers were the the ancient homeland of the Masagete. The Masagete were a branch of the Scythians who descended from the ancient Cimmerians or the ancient children of Israel in captivity who broke away from the Persians and the Assyrians and made this large settlement. And both the Goths and the Huns were believed by Procopius. Procopius was the um, the secretary of the great Greek general, Byzantine general, Belisarius. And he wrote an excellent history of his time, which was the time of Justinian, the emperor. And he believed that both the Goths and the Huns came from the Masagete of that region in, in what is now Kazakhstan. Right. The, um, the culture of Tibet is probably older than that. And, and I'm sure you know about the, um, the Tarim Basin. I, I don't believe that the Tarim Basin was the home of the Aboriginal Adamic race. That's not true. I don't accept that theory. Not at all. But there were Scythian mummies found there to date perhaps from the 5th to the 7th centuries BC that had plaid. They looked like Scots. They had red hair. They had tattoos. They, they were white. Um, they were probably, with all certainty, ancient Scythians. But in Tibet, there was an ancient white culture. L.A. Waddell wrote about the Aryan origin of Tibetan culture in... in um, in a book published, I think, at Oxford or Cambridge back, back 100 years ago. The, the so it's to... possible they could have started um, all those monks, you know, that religion, and then gradually what's left is just the chinks, basically. Well, Buddhism, Buddha was a Saka. Buddha was one of the Saka, one of the Scythians. He had red hair and white skin and... Because, yeah, you know, people want to paint their gods and their prophets in their own image. So when we converted Negroes to Christianity, we start seeing um, pictures of the nigger Jesus. <laughs> that, that's natural for people to want to see their God in their image. It's natural. I, I'm not saying it's good. It's certainly not good. Not of our God. I don't care about the, the idols. But the Chinese remade Buddha as an Oriental, but Buddha was a Saka. There's an excellent book. Um, I think I have a PDF of it on Christogenia, and and it's wow. I can't even remember the author right now. George something um, that that proves basically it, it was a 19th century book, and it basically proves that Buddha was a Saka. And, and that this is part of our Aryan heritage, this Buddhist religion, it's, um, I, I, I'm quite certain that the book was very well researched and, and is, rings true. Is it possible that even Japan was originally white? I don't believe that Japan was originally white. I can't. Like the first the... samurais and all that, they set up that civilization. You don't. 
Well, well, I believe that there was an injection of, of white blood into all of those Oriental nations from which they have their societies. The, the, the more technical aspects and the more advanced aspects of their societies. I'm sure if we did not westernize China in the 19th century, China would still be in, in the Bronze Age right now. Yeah, and, maybe and, a little bit above Africa, but still completely yeah, right. savage, right? Right. It would be completely savage and backwards. They'd still be um, making their plows out of sticks and, and crude metal implements and, and tilling the land like that, that they would still be living in rice paddies. And there would be very few of them. We allowed their population to explode when we westernized them when we gave them our food technology and, and our medical technology. Yeah. Um, so just going back a bit in time, uh, one thing I personally always been a bit confused about was the Hittite empire. Was that, that came from the son of Ham Hef was, is that correct? Or was it one of those, um, you know, uh, descendants of Cain, Canaanite empires? I've never quite been clear on that. Well, the son of Ham, Heth was actually a son of Canaan. Oh, right. Sorry. Okay. And the Hittite Empire came from Heth, the son of Canaan. And Heth and Canaan are associated with the Hittites throughout the book of Genesis. So there should be no doubt that the Hittites were Canaanites. Carthamish. Can I can I add the um, the pictures of the Hittites, like they show um, in the uh, Egyptian glyphs or whatever? The Hittites look like Jews. Yes, yes, that's true. Fully look like Jews. Yeah. Short of stature, stocky, hooked noses, sloped, everything, sloped yeah. foreheads, big eye orbits, the whole thing. <laughs> Yeah, that brings me to one of the most common questions I get in CI. Well, well, Where let me does the this real quick? Let me state this real quick. Carthamish. From Satan, is it some beast they mingled with long ago? Carchemish is the capital city of the Hittite Empire, and Car means city, and Cam means ham, and Ish means people. Carchemish right. means city of the people of Ham, because the Hittites counted themselves from their patriarch Ham, even though they themselves had, had were bastards. They mixed. The Canaan was cursed. And somewhere along the way, Canaan mixed with other races. And we see those other races listed in Genesis chapter 15. And I'm sure that Heth was no exception to that. Yeah, and it's understandable if um, Canaan was cursed, no one would want to marry him or, you know, his descendants, sorry, from, you know, Shem, uh, Japheth, and right. even other Ham's descendants. They would want to stay clear and not be part of that curse. Absolutely. Yeah. So where, where do you believe the um, hook nose comes from that, you know, the Jews have? Is it just impossible to tell? Well, first, not all Jews have hook noses. Hook noses are, are prevalent among Jews, but not all Jews have hook noses. Bill, no, because they got plastic surgery. <laughs> well, well, right. You know, I grew up in <laughs> I grew up in New Jersey, right? 
And we used to say that, why is New Jersey called the Garden State? Because there's a rose in bloom on every street. In other words, Jews are all over the place. It's <laughs> pretty good. That's an old joke from like the 60s. <laughs> well, well you, you know, I grew up in the land of Jews and they didn't all have nose jobs. A lot of Jews had perfectly straight noses and Aryan features, but they that uh, almost all Jews have one feature or another that's in real disproportion that doesn't fit with the other features, right? Because they're mixed. And, and yeah, you'll see Jews with Dumbo the elephant ears or Jews with tiny monkey ears. And, and white people just usually don't have things like that. So it's not just the hooked nose or the pronounced orbits or the sloped foreheads. That there's other features. It, it's the easiest way for me to tell a Jew is to look at all the features and, and determine whether or not they're all in a good proportion to one another, which is Aryan beauty, right? And, and if, if, if they're out of sync, then you almost always have a Jew. I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. And, so, so that brings me to Cain. The, the way I understood it, he would have just have to look just like any white person, right? Because he was part angel, part Adamite, that there would be no reason he would be darker or have Afro hair or have a big hooked nose or anything like that. Yeah, you know, Paul said that the devil appeared as an angel of light. So I don't think that could describe a nigger. <laughs> I, I just don't buy that. Um, Cain... Okay, by the time of the apostles, by the time because this Christ, comes up all the time, by the time of Christ, the Edomites and the Canaanites had been so mixed in with white people, the apostles couldn't tell them apart. The apostles could not tell them apart. They marveled that Christ could tell them apart. That's right in John chapter two. The last verses in John chapter two. But you know, you do see, um, like I, I watched uh, um, a video recently, like a bunch of rabbis uh, got together because one of their, you know, head rabbis died, and they're all like marching in the streets, you know, and and they all have, you know, most of them have that hook nose. A lot of them wear glasses. It's funny. I, I wonder if they have a vision issue, too, because, you know, a lot of them have those little spectacles. And they almost all of them had a dark hair and curly, you know, and they wear it long and they have their little things on the their sideburns. But it seems like, you know, a lot of them have, have like, the darker features, you know. And then when you see in paintings of um, – um, of Cain and Abel, you know, they always show Cain with darker hair, you know, and they always show Abel as more fair. Right. And, and that's you how you, classical European artists saw creation. They, that they weren't wrong. I don't know why they felt that way, but they always felt that way. It must have been natural. It must have been spiritual. You know, the, the, the God's creation and our language are, are not um are not created in vain are are not formed in vain concepts that we have in our language reflect what we should think about god's creation white is good white is holy white is sanctified 
Um, black is evil. Black is it is death. Black is darkness and destruction are represented by black. And and everything good and and righteous and just is represented by white. And and that's always been in our language. I really believe that that word black comes from a Hebrew word, palag, which means a plague, which is also <laughs> where we get our word plague from. So so that these things are not um just coincidences. They're not. And in in classical European art, blonde was beautiful, fair was beautiful, and and dark features were sinister. They always were. They were always considered sinister. I don't know why we don't get that today. I don't know why we think things have changed. Yeah, exactly. So, Bill, um, all, all the languages in the world, um, at Babylon, Yahweh divided all the people, gave them different languages. And, you know, when you look at, say, a language like Russian or Chinese even, it just looks like an alien language. But were these all, you know, Russian was definitely a white language, of course. But, say, Chinese and Japanese, were these all at least one time a white, you know, language? And then the white nations disappeared and the bastard nations just continued and called it their own? Well, well right, but... Yeah, you know, language has changed a lot since the Tower of Babel. So it's hard to tell what the original languages were. Language has changed. I, I, I mean, languages evolve with time, and they they get degrees of separation. The Germanic tribes picked up a lot of that there's a lot of hebrew words in english in german but there's a lot of assyrian and persian words also and even though the assyrian and persian people were related to the hebrews the languages weren't quite identical language has changed a lot since the tower of babel so it's difficult to tell um that any language that we have, especially in Europe and Central Europe and, and Eurasia, that any language we have is one of those Tower of Babel languages, it's probably not, because they've all evolved and changed since then. So it's it's kind of difficult to tell. Russian um, looks alien. Well, well, the Russian alphabet was created by Greeks. The Cyrillic alphabet was created by Greeks in the ninth century. Why they had to create a different alphabet is beyond me, but they did. To um, educate the, the Slavic peoples because they weren't, they didn't have letters. Right, the Slavic people, they actually asked to be ruled over. Is that true? Even, even the... Um, the Gauls, I don't know if that's entirely true, I don't know, but even the Gauls, the early Roman writers informed us, Strabo of Cappadocia informs us, that the Gauls did not write in their own language. 
I believe that the runes are probably a creation from about the second or third centuries, maybe the fourth century A.D. The runes aren't as old as they claim, as pagans claim they are. They're simply not. The the um, the Gauls, who were Germanic, did not write in their own language, according to the Romans. And when we see the first learned Germans writing, they're writing in Latin or Greek. They're not writing in German or in Gaul or in right. some okay. Gallic language. Weren't the um, runes related to the Hebrew language, though? The runes? Well, well all of the... Um, all of all of our letters are based on that Phoenician alphabet, even Cyrillic letters, except that for some reason Cyrus decided to, to reassign them all and to make some new forms. I don't get. I don't know why they did that, but they did, and we have Cyrillic. Are they trying to represent new sounds with different letters? I, I don't know. Because I don't know the language. I don't know Russian or Polish or any language that might use that alphabet. I don't know. I never studied it. Okay. Um, so it's I wanted to move on to Satan. Um, that has to be one of the biggest deceptions that there's this fallen angel boogeyman, you know, running the world and he's behind everything. Um, my understanding is all the other races collectively are Satan. That, that's the easiest way to explain it. Would that be true? Absolutely. They all came from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God didn't create them. He only created one race, the Adamic race. And the descendants of Cain, because Adam adopted him, he would technically be the firstborn. So whenever it says the princes of this world, it's talking about the descendants of Cain. And that Would is that be exactly true? why. That's exactly why. That's how the devil told Christ that all these kingdoms were delivered to me and I'll give them to whoever I want. Because Cain had obtained, the word Cain means to get or to attain. And Cain, Cain was gotten. Eve was gotten. That's how Cain came into existence. When Adam accepted Eve's sin, he accepted Cain as his eldest son. So Cain and, and his descendants have always had a claim to that birthright that belonged to Adam because Adam sinned. He should have never accepted Eve. The same thing could happen to you. If your wife, you get a newlywed wife and she cheats on you and you don't even know it. You might be raising your oldest son. He might have a dark tan. I've seen guys accept children like that. And just shrugged your shoulders. I know one up the road in Alabama. His, <laughs> his son looks like a nigger. And he thinks it's his. Well, he's just in denial, isn't he? Yeah, he is in denial. He's a cock. <laughs> so um, the main driving force is always these descendants of Cain, though it seems. Um, all the other races, they'd be quite happy just living as they are but it's always the jews that are the they have the motivation that driving force to always bring them here and try to destroy us 
Well, well, right. The, the other races, that they wouldn't have any ability if it were not for us. If we didn't mix with them, if, if we didn't, I, I don't know who would find a Chinese woman attractive. I don't know. <laughs> I can't. Or, or a, a, a Latin American squat monster. Something you dig out of the jungle in Brazil. I, I don't know how any white man could find that attractive. Ostensibly, there were men that did whether they were white or whether they were kind of white, like Jews and Arabs, somewhere along the line, white men mated with non-whites to create these in-between Heinz 57 beasts. And, and, and we've been doing it for thousands of years. And it's really blurred the distinctions between the races. So deracinated whites can look at a Brazilian and think, oh, he or she is white, and they're not white at all. Or a Mexican, there's white-looking Mexicans that, quote-unquote, pass for white. That, that's a favorite phrase of the Jewish media, describing somebody who can pass for white. It, it, Is it uh, possible the Canaanites were initially behind that? You know, went and found these beasts well, uh, and race mix to make white or offspring, which then Ad Adamites would have mixed with? The Jews themselves are always at the vanguard of race mixing. We, we got this funny idea because we believe Jewish propaganda that Jews are pure. They've always been at the vanguard of race mixing. But when the Jews were, were expelled from the Byzantine Empire, they went to Arabia, they went to India, that they went to wherever they could at sub-Saharan Africa, and they mingled with the other races everywhere they went. That's how we have Mexican Jews today, because the Jews were, were the first ones in Mexico to be sleeping with the squat monsters. They were the yeah. first ones. And, you know, um, Inca is an anagram for Cain. Yeah, so right. So the Incan civilization. Isn't that amazing? Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I really think that that represents ancient white race mixing with aboriginals, whatever they look like, those aboriginals. I really believe that Phoenicians, maybe from Carthage or early Egyptians, had somehow gotten to Mesoamerica and built this civilization and mingled with the natives to create this race of squat monsters that are dwelling around these broken down relics, but they themselves, because of their degraded race mixed state, couldn't maintain the civilization that, that they inherited. So they live around these monuments that they obviously didn't build. Somebody else, a higher race, built them, but they live there and, and they get the credit for it by the Jewish media or by Jewish academia. Yeah. Cause they have the, um, their, um, you know, they always talk about their white God that came right. Uh, Quetzalcoatl and he came on ships. So that right. would probably be the Phoenicians that came over. Right. I believe. Right. So. And then right. race mixed. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, okay. I so when trying to explain, uh, why the other races are the way they are, you know, in a CI kind of way, the best way I can explain it um, is that when Adam was created, 
soul into him. And evidently, these other races just don't have that soul, and that's why they don't have our compassion, our pity, remorse, you know, all those type of things, and they're just so evil. Um, and the Bible goes a bit into that with broken cisterns, clouds that can't, can't hold, you know, water. How, how do you explain it to people? Like when trying to explain CI to people who are perhaps a bit new to it and they're somewhat becoming racially aware. Well, well, that's true. If even, uh, okay, the most intelligent, talented white men can can do a lot of good in the world, but if he's not guided by the spirit of God, he could also do a lot of evil. And and that's the story and that Paul's trying to relate in Romans chapter six and things like that. Look look at the point that the Romans had got to under paganism. And in in their bread and circuses, Colosseums. We're we're pagans today. We're not Christians. We're doing the same thing. We're following the same pattern. What we the, the Romans were watching gladiators butcher one another. They were far beyond our sports tards, our professional sports. They were watching gladiators butcher one another, um, finding creative ways to to kill people in the fields of their circuses, and, and they were loving it. They were enjoying the hell out of that. That was their entertainment. Bread and circuses went way beyond just a horse race and, and, and a juggling act. Well, well, we can be very cruel if we don't allow that spirit in us to guide us. And, and that is where we get our sense of morality and, and everything that's good, our empathy, our altruism, all come from that guiding spirit. Now, there's misplaced empathy and there's misplaced altruism, but we cannot have a thriving society without that knowledge of our God and, and that spiritual connection that, that allows us to build one another up. When Europe accepted Christianity, Germans accepted Christianity. They didn't even have settlements in the first century. They did not even have permanent settlements, hardly, until the Romans came and started building fortresses in Germany. Well, well according to all the accounts of the ancient Greeks, in the time of Strabo of Cappadocia, Diodor Siculus, the Germans had no permanent settlements. They accepted Christianity, and within a thousand years, they were the greatest society ever. Saxons and Franks were butchering one another right up until the time of Charlemagne. They were butchering one another. When the Saxons had Christianity forced on them and Christianity civilized them and had them think about morality and, and, and caring for one another and, and actually making a peaceful society. From the time of Charlemagne to the time of Otto I, just a couple of hundred years later, Germany had, had a, an incredible rise in, in civility and civilization. And, and Otto I had a magnificent kingdom at the, I think, the beginning of the 10th century. So Germany, in, in just a couple of hundred years, had, had um, an incredible 
improvement in, in its conditions and its society under Christianity. Yeah, and many um, white nationalists, they just go only on about IQ, IQ, IQ. That's what causes, you know, the ability to create civilization. But there's certainly, um, you know, other races with high IQs, or at least, you know, the odd one here and there. And Jews are certainly not stupid. It, it has to be that following of God that is really behind civilization. Absolutely. Okay, so w would it be fair to say that Christianity, um, although it civilized all of our world, in many ways it was also, I wouldn't say responsible, but it caused the Jews to really get organized and rally together in order that they could destroy Christianity. You know, with all their secret societies, their Talmud. Yeah, you know, it almost the, the, militarized them in a way. The war on our race was overt until Charles Martel defeated the, the Arabs at Tours and the Serbians and Poles were able to fight off the Turks rather successfully. And even though the Turks had their little victories here and there, and they had Vienna under siege as late as the 1680s, I think, 1685. Well, well the Turks could never conquer Eastern Europe. And I believe that it was the Jews that put the Turks up to conquering Eastern Europe. I'm fully convinced of that. And that's why the Turks came into Europe, was at the behest of the Jews, the, the trade merchants who were putting them up to it, who wanted to destroy the Byzantine Christian Empire. So when Byzantium had accepted Christianity and Rome, right, Constantinople, Constantine, when Rome accepted Christianity, and Rome's seat was really still in, in the East at this time, the West was way too decadent, then the Jews immediately wanted to destroy Byz the Byzantine Empire, the Byzantine culture, because they could no longer operate inside of it. When the Greeks and Romans were pagans, the Jews had their run of Greece and Rome. They did whatever they wanted in Greece and Rome. When, when they went Christian, they began to write laws excluding Jews, excluding Jews from government, um, forbidding Jews to loan money to Christians at usury, um, forbidding Jews from holding public office and, and doing a whole lot of other things, forbidding Jews from owning Christian slaves. When Theodosius I, Theodosius II, when they began to sign all these laws, the Jews went to Arabia and the Jews went to Khazaria and gained themselves a lot of converts. They invented Islam. The Jews invented Islam and used Islam to militarize and militantize the Arabs and make them into a viable force to use uh, as cannon fodder against Christendom. The Jews invented Islam, and within 200 years, Islam had conquered most of Iberia, all of Syria, the Levant, northern Africa, and had been in Persia. Why were the Turks Muslims? Because the Jews came up with the recipe in Arabia. 
So they brought it to, to Kazakhstan too and implemented it there and forced Islam on the Turks and the Persians and everybody in the Near East. Yeah, exactly. And they're using them today, right, to flood Europe. They're still using them today. They're still using them yeah. as a, a basically a private army against Christendom to this day. And everything Islam is Jewish. It's an entirely false, concocted religion. Like, like how halal is the same thing as kosher. You know, right. people I don't mean, see that. Right, right down the line, circumcision and not eating pork. I, I mean, Christians shouldn't eat pork. But all those yeah. restrictions in Islam are right from the Talmud. Yeah. There's no such thing as three Abrahamic religions. There's one Abrahamic religion. It's called Christianity, period. The Old Testament is a Christian book. It was never a Jewish book. It's founded on agrarian society. How Jewish is that? <laughs> it forbids interest. Usury. How Jewish is that? It forbids homosexuality. How Jewish is that? Pedophilia. Right. <laughs> it forbids everything Jewish. It forbids race mixing. So um, in terms of dividing the wheat and the tares, only God, Yahweh, Christ can truly do that. But he did leave us Christianity. That's the only method we can use because by building a moral society where we outlaw all decadence, um, the Jew just can't live that way. It's hell on earth for them. And that's the only way if we gradually, you know, remove the sinners from our societies that it would gradually remove the Jews bit by bit. So is that true? Christianity is the only way to do it. There is no other way. Well, well, there is no other way, no other way. The only proper moral foundation for nationalism, for racism, is the Christian scriptures. The pagans never had it. Paganism never saved Europe as, as a white race or a white society. Pagans are, are, are foremost among race mixers. Paganism does not have the moral strictures required for whites to be able to trust one another and cooperate with one another, while at the same time understanding that their wives and daughters and even their sons are safe from sexual predation and other forms of corruption that have always thrived under paganism. And, and it's funny that at any point, or at least early on, the Jews could have just converted to Christianity, just blended in and, you know, just lived a moral um, life, you know, and lived happily ever after, but they just can't, they don't want to, no, no, uh, you know, Jews convert usury, etc., etc. Whenever Jews convert to Christianity, it, it's for the purpose of corrupting it. Messianic yeah, exactly. Jews attract Christians and, and corrupt them. Um, Jewish, that the Bible commentaries that were the most popular Bible commentaries in Europe were written by converted Jews. Nicholas of Lyra, Paul of Burgos, um, 
Raymond, I can't remember his full name, Raymond Lull, L-U-L-L. He, he was from a Jewish family in Mallorca, I think, and, and a crypto Jewish family. And he spent his whole career in Africa trying to get Muslims to convert to Christianity. Yeah. Nobody was trying to convert Muslims to Christianity before him. Yeah, and even with all the conditions put upon Jews, they would rather be living separate just so they can have their own laws and be panderers and all that type of thing, rather than just convert to Christianity. Well, right. They converted to Christianity to corrupt it. They started writing, writing Bible commentaries that, that supported the Jewish paradigm about the scriptures. Yeah. And supported things like universalism and other things like that that are actually anti-Christian. Martin Luther was following those commentaries. He admits it, right? And on the Jews and their lies. So I just had um, a few questions on mistranslations in the Bible. Is it true that every instance where it says man, you know, like Christ says, son, son of man, Ezekiel is called the son of man, should that be son of Adam? Would that be a better translation? Well, well I, I mean, that this is a complex question, right? I, I really believe that the Greek word anthropos comes from the Greek word anther, which actually means flowery, and ops, which means face, flowery-faced. So Adam means to be rosy or to be able to blush or to be ruddy. So Anthropos really is a more or less a translation of Adam into Greek. I believe that. Or at least an equivalent of Adam in Greek. Um, son of man, son of Adam, Christ is the second Adam and Adam is man. So yeah, the equation can be made. That's fine. And especially when he says, calls them the descendants of Cain, and he's the son of Adam, they must understand what he's referring to there. Well, you know, the, the Jews will tell you, and, and they probably believe it themselves, that we're all man, right? We're all men. All men came from Adam. So I, I don't know if the Jews really think that way or not, because I believe that they believe their own propaganda. So it's difficult to tell. Not all men are from Adam. Of course, we know that, and that can be proven. It, it could be proven real quick in the scripture. However, the propaganda insists that all men are from Adam. Yeah. Um, so I, I just had a few uh, final questions um, just about the end times. Um, obviously, you've been involved with the League of the South and you encourage everybody to, you know, get involved in some kind of CI community to prepare for the end times. You know, when Babylon falls, you'll be in a much stronger position. If you have contacts, if you have people you can rely on when, you know, the supermarkets, there's no food. Right, we have to network. Where should we with find ourselves in? We have to network with like-minded people of our own tribe in our own geographical area. We need that. 
if we're going to survive, we need that. And, and the time to do it is now, not next year. Oh, it's not bad enough to do that yet. Oh, things aren't bad enough to do that yet. No, we need to start doing that. Too many Christian identity people, they post memes on Facebook all day and they think they've done something. They think they've witnessed something. <laughs> and it's just a big, it's just a big social media circle jerk is all it is. You got 200 <laughs> friends and you're all posting memes to each other and you think you've accomplished something. I know people that think that's a ministry. Posting memes on Facebook is their ministry. Get the hell out of here. That's crazy. So social media has basically itself become a rabbit hole for whites who want to think they've done something and they've never gotten off their asses. Get off your ass, get out in the street and network, find and network with other like-minded whites. If you live in the South, join the League of the South. If you live in the North, look for other like-minded organizations or, or ways to network or start your own network. Go out and find white people that'll listen to this message. We do it all the time. We get thrown out of a lot of places, but we do it all the time. <laughs> I've been <laughs> disinvited from at least four or five um, establishments here in on the Gulf Coast. Do, do you have any advice for people in Europe who, you know, it's really hard to get something going off the ground? Um, you know, there's no like League of the South over here. And obviously some of the laws are a bit stricter. Yeah, there's national action. Wonderful organization. <laughs> yeah. A, a couple of them were members of the Christoginian Forum. I, I love those guys, but it didn't work out well for them, right? The government is going to persecute us. So if you do um, seek to network, it's probably better that you don't in Europe have a formal organization. Just call it a Bible study and meet once a week and call it a Bible study. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Be wise. Right. It, it's not worth, in, in the condition that we're in, as, okay, the Bible asks, who can fight with the beast? Who can fight with the beast? You can't fight with the beast. But you could be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. So you have home Bible studies. Yeah, that's a good way of doing it because it won't draw attention. Because No, no it won't. Um, so I had a question. Um, the Obadiah 18, is it? That has to be one of the most popular verses, you know, in CI. Um, where it says, um, you know, Jacob will be a fire, but Joseph will be a flame. Do you... You know, there is some evidence that uh, the British Empire and America are largely descendants of Joseph. Would that seem to indicate that whilst all nations will eventually have to fight, that the real, the biggest battles, it would seem to be, at least in America, perhaps even in Britain and some of the offshoot nations? Well, well I mean, when Babylon falls, things aren't going to be pretty. Come out from her, my <laughs> no. people, lest you suffer her punishments. 
Now, now the serpent sends a flood after the woman, and the earth helps the woman and swallow up the swallows up the flood. In Ezekiel, that if if you really read Ezekiel chapters thirty-eight and thirty-nine, it's telling us that our enemies are going to destroy one another to a great extent. But if you're dwelling among and frolicking with our enemies, you're you're going to be a a a, um, a victim of that. There's no doubt. Your best bet is to be out of the cities and network with other like-minded white people so that when the time comes, you'll be able to to survive and defend yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, th- does anybody else have any questions? Sorry, I've asked so many now. I just hope I'm answering them all sufficiently. I, I mean, things. Yeah, like it's this, been fantastic. Talk all day. I could talk all day. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I just wanted to mention. Um, I just want to clarify. So, on the um, the Weissman, the um, the origin of race and civilization, um, where he's um, talking about, uh, you know, comparing the different races with um, the white race and everything. Um, so. Um, I guess he's saying that God created him, but um, but from our perspective, God is not creating him. So I just I just want to clarify that. Well, well right. right. So he's, where is it in the scripture that God created anything, any other race but Adam? Yeah, it's not. It's the Adamic race. Let us make man yeah. in our image. That word is Adam. Adam means to be ruddy, to blush. There were contentions over the meaning of Adam, and I can prove them all wrong. I could discredit them all. Adam means ruddy because the Hebrew word dam, D-A-M, is blood. That's why Adam means rosy or ruddy. If I could see yeah. the blood through your face, you're a ruddy, rosy person. That's Adam. Now, we have pale-skinned whites who it's a little harder to see the blood in their face, but if you tickle them or embarrass them, you'll see it. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that was one thing I hated, like, in high school and stuff, you know? It's like if I got embarrassed, I'm like, oh, my God, because they could tell because you become beet red and you feel it, you know? You feel the blood in your face. You get all hot and right. you can feel it happening and you try and hide and, you know, and then everyone laughs at you because they see you're blushing. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know? it, but, it, so, but so that, you know, the works of – um of God though, even, even though, um, you know, blacks weren't created by God, but still doing the, um, the biology, you know, all that stuff, like looking at the, the brain, um, the weight, the, um, the size, the amount of grooves and stuff in the brain. I mean, that's still all useful though, to see how they are compared to us, you know? So I think that all that stuff is really interesting and still worthwhile looking well, well, into right. because black even is if much, even if god didn't create them yeah just want to point that out black is much more than skin deep the the differences between the races are are quite incredible when the entire biology of each race is compared i i mean it's skull shape it's brain capacity it it's different portions of the brain are <coughs> markedly <coughs> markedly 
larger or smaller in different races and and it it's the the blood structure blacks have sickle shaped blood cells we have globular shaped blood cells a lot of southern europeans in sicily in greece in spain have sickle shaped blood cells because they're part black they have black blood oh that's interesting Oh yeah, sickle cell. So sickle anemia. shape, like crescent shaped, instead of um, an oval. Sickle cell anemia is is just anemia that people with sickle shaped blood cells are susceptible to. That's what sickle cell anemia is. So if you look up the distribution of sickle <laughs> cell anemia, you will see that there are a lot of people in Southern Europe with sickle-shaped blood cells. Otherwise, they would not get sickle cell anemia. And that's because they have black blood. Wow. That's because of the Negro slaves that were imported into Southern Italy and Sicily and, and parts of Greece and Anatolia when the Muslims held those regions they imported these black slaves as well as white slaves, and, and they had babies with them. That's the only you know, way that... And, you know, another area I was um, looking, you know, when looking into that stuff, I um, was uh, thinking um, blood type that we might be able to um, differentiate the races, you know. Because, uh, like, a B, uh, the B type is, um, is non-white primarily but you know a is um some of the asians have a but like in europe it's europe's uh, european blood is basically o or a I was, I was hoping it was just one that would be nice you know but um i'm wondering do you think like adam and eve were were a and you know i, I wonder how that works because like I, half I of the population of uh, europe is a and half is o and you think that adam and eve would be either a or O, you know, either one or the other, not. I, I understand not, that. I understand that. I, I'm A plus, so I'm perfect. My blood type's A plus. <laughs> I, I joke about that, right? My father was yeah. O positive. My father was O positive. My mother was A positive. Yeah. My father. Yeah, I'm O. My whole family's O. We're all right. O positive. My father is, is German and Irish. My mother is English and Scottish. And she's A positive and my father's O positive. I don't know what all of my grandparents were. I don't know what any of my grandparents were, right? So my yeah. brother is O positive. So I, 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 that's all I know about my entire family blood history. Um, is, is what are the differences between A and O? There's many different blood types. There's more blood types than we know. That there's, um, Modern scientists have found that blood is much more highly specialized than we believe, that there are other elements to differences in the blood of, of different families and different people than just the eight or nine um, major categories of blood type. So blood types are, are a that this ABO system is a big oversimplification of the differences in blood among people. Yeah. Cause you know, a lot of um, like the people um, that believe in um, uh, 
the alien thing and and stuff like a lot of people would say that the um the negative you know like 13 percent of the world has the negative blood or whatever like o negative a negative stuff like that and they'd say like the negative blood is like nephilim blood or you know or and they claim all the royals have it yeah yeah so, you know, then I was thinking maybe there's something to that. And then I thought, well, it, you know, the negative blood, you think that'd be all the Jews would have the negative. <laughs> right. Actually, there, you know. There's but. really, there's really, RH positive and RH negative are bad terms, I think. Because there's no such thing as RH negative. Your blood either has um, RH antigens on the surface of the blood cells or it doesn't. So Rh negative is really just people without Rh antigens on the surface of their blood cells. Blood cells. What causes that? I don't think they know what causes that. I really don't. A yeah, person, is, you know the um, the antigen. universal donor. Well, research is, these days. Oh, I'm sorry. You the universal donor is uh, O negative. Right, that's supposed to be the universal donor, too. Well, I like everyone can have blood from an O negative. <laughs> I don't want nobody's blood in me. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. But yeah. Sorry, I was just saying that these days you're never going to get any honest research because if they truly did research it, they'd very quickly realize that whites and the other races were different, and they just can't have that. Well, I believe it, but but. I mean, blacks have sickle-shaped blood cells, and, and they put them into these same categories that everybody else is put into. But there are, if you really look into it, you'll find, I, I, you know, it's not my field of study, so I don't try to memorize it all and quantify it all. But there are much more um, subtle and distinct and numerous differences in blood from one people uh, to another, even people that, that occupy the same nation. And these major blood groups that they might um, help in donor compatibility, but that's about it. They're not the complete breakdown, not by any means. Bill, do you think that, um, you know how, okay, if we fornicate with another race that's obviously race mixing what if you what if you got a transfusion from a non-animite would that be in a way you know against god too if you if you if you take in the blood from a non-animite by a transfusion or th something what do you think right I, I don't think that that is actually um fornication in that sense i don't think that that is going to change who you are because all of your tissue cells are what you are. That DNA in your tissue cells is you. That the um, I see it as a violation of the food laws. I really do. Anything that you put oh, okay. into your bloodstream that that isn't a clean food, I see as a violation of the food laws. That's the way I look at it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm not planning on <laughs> taking any blood in from anybody, but just thought I'd throw that out there because, you know, I thought that'd be interesting, especially if it's a sickle cell, like you're saying. If it's sickle cell 
you know, if they have the sickle shaped blood cells and then you put that in your body, I can't see how that would affect it positively, you know? And, and you know what? To, I, I don't know about your area, but here the, it seems that the biggest base of blood donors is poor Negroes. Uh, they pay them in America, don't they? Yeah. They yeah. Pay. Yeah. They yeah, you have to be blood. careful too, because you could get uh, like before um, people like the winos, whatever, right? Would give blood and people with AIDS, right? Because yep. then people got um, AIDS from blood transfusions too before. Well, blacks had the highest preponderance of of sexually transmitted diseases. Yeah. Yeah, I would never um, get. I, if I needed blood, I'd make my family donate, or if if you know one of my family members needed, I would donate. You know, so we know that our blood is safe. Yeah. And that's another reason that white should network with people in the real world. Because I don't think you'll get a big response in, on Facebook for, for, you know, if you're a positive, how am I going to email you blood? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. You need a, a local A plus for sure. So hey, I don't um, know if it's true, but I heard that if a white person can't, in many cases, they can't actually donate blood to their child because, you know, they're not compatible, obviously. Uh, I'm sorry, hit me with that again because you cut out at a crucial point, I think. Sorry, my connection's a bit unstable. I don't know if it's true, but I did read a few times that if a white person you know mother or father race mixed and then had a child that they would not actually be able to donate blood to that because you know they're different species technically well, well right that happens all the time and and i i remember um there was this famous american sports figure rod carew i think his one of his children needed a liver transplant or a kidney transplant and nobody was compatible and and the kid was like Heinz 57 right uh, i mean that they're um part puerto rican part white part black part caribbean he he's like 18 different races he's panamanian and and um they can't find donors. They can't find organ donors. They can't find blood donors very often because they're so mixed. Nobody matches them. There's a lot of people like that, especially in the, in the Caribbean, South and Central America, the Southern United States, that, that are so mixed, they don't match anything. But yeah, that's okay exactly. because the Jews are creating organs from pigs that are going to be able to go into everybody. Yes, they are. <laughs> and they're growing food now as well, aren't they? Just growing beef burgers out of who knows what. Probably human dung. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I saw in uh, Japan or somewhere, right? Yeah. Didn't they, uh, they made like steaks out of dung. And they're proud of it. <laughs> and they'll be selling it at Walmart. Yeah. Just give it a couple more years. They'll be selling that at Walmart. And if it tastes like pork, Americans will be literally eating the shit out of it. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what they'll be serving at McDonald's. 
You know, that's what the patties will be made out of. Same thing. They'll be eating their shit out of it. Literally. <laughs> exactly. That, that It's sick. Hey. It really is sick. But that's the, 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 the huge population explosion. And, and it's, it, it really is um, causing stress on, on the supply chain, on the food supply. Yeah, that's why it's so important we need to grow our own food. You know, and I was watching this one YouTube video, this um, white guy, he's an old, older retired guy who was a mailman or something in Nebraska, and he built a, um, a greenhouse um, like five foot down in the ground. So it, it did stick up. You could see it, you know, on the surface a few feet, but it went into the ground because he was using, uh, taking advantage of the temperature of the earth, how it stays at a constant like 54 degrees, I think it is. And he actually had uh, fruit trees and stuff in there that he grew. He actually had oranges and stuff. So like in the middle of winter in Nebraska, he had trees down there uh, growing with fruit. So, you know, I thought that was pretty cool. So when I move up to um, Idaho, I want to build like a greenhouse like that. So that even in the winter, I can grow vegetables and other things, you know. I knew a woman years ago who, who built a house in Montana and he did it geothermally and she raved about it. Yeah, that's awesome. That's the way to go. You just got to go down into the earth a few feet, you know, and then you can make use of the earth's temperature. <coughs> Definitely. She, had, she drew me an illustration of it, and, and she had pipes down in the earth so many feet, and they were kind of deep, and, and they ran, they circulated water into the earth and then through her house like a radiator. I don't know how costly it is. She wasn't that wealthy. Yeah, I, don't, I think if you just get the right, the plans and everything, I think, you know, that it can be built, that we could just do it on our own, build it. What, what they don't is, want people doing that, you know, like how we have to get um, citrus and stuff like that. It's, you know, really expensive. You have to get it from the, you know, other countries or from down south when it, like that one guy in Nebraska, he was showing how you could take all that farmland and grow all the stuff that you need up there. You know, if, if you just do his system, everything you need can be right up there. It's interesting. I, I mean, there's a lot of ways to, to grow an abundant garden. It takes a lot of work and nurturing. I planted a garden this year, and these giant locusts ate the whole thing. They ate. <laughs> oh. I don't know what I'm going to do next year. We, we got yeah, because you're in an area that thrives. Insects thrive, huh? Yeah, these giant. Down there. Th these are like grasshoppers that get like four or five <laughs> inches long. They're huge. They're like rocks. Oh, and they ate all the flowers off all the plants in our garden, except the hot peppers. We are planting a jalapenos. You know, I think you got to do that. You got to uh, make a um, a pepper spray out of the hot peppers. You put them, mix them with water, and then spray it on the leaves of all the other plants. And I think they'll stop eating them. Well, I read that somewhere. So you could do that. Year. Use the pepper spray, so it's like a natural um, repellent. Uh, yeah, repellent. That's the word. Thank you. You know, do you have these things? I remember when I was little, we lived in Florida, and then we um, we traveled from Florida across the U.S., and my dad ended up stationed in the Philippines. But I remember going through um, Georgia, and they had these things called love bugs, and they were, like, crazy. Like, they were everywhere and, like, swarming, and you couldn't mm -hmm. get away from them. 
Do, do you have love bugs there? They're all they're like Southern awful. Appalachia. We don't have a whole lot here, but we had a lot at our old house, an hour east of here. Um, we've seen them all the way to Southwest Virginia, where I lived back in 2012, 2013. That all Southern Appalachia is covered with those love bugs. I mean, they're harmless. They're mating. They come out to mate, and they're all over the place. It's incredible. It really yeah, is. it's like you get them. You like they're like swarms of them. They're like in your hair, like in your face, like <laughs> stuck on your car. You know, yep. like everywhere. I thought that was crazy. It's an awful name to give them because you know. Well, I mean, well that's because nice people only see them. Bugs. People only see them when they're mating. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, it's crazy. They, they it, it's like yeah. they come out to mate. Yeah. You don't know where they are. The rest of the year, you can't really notice them. Except during that season that they're mating, they're all over the place in in, in the city streets and in, in the towns and the roads mating. Yeah. It's yeah. Crazy. That's funny. Hey, um, Sean, um, Eden doesn't have a mic. So, um, Eden, if you have any questions, you could just text, write it in the text, and we can ask Bill. What about you, WizKid or Sean? You guys have anything for Bill? Yeah, I, I was going to ask, uh, just kind of change the subject. I was going to say, I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to you, Bill. Your knowledge is absolutely incredible. I'd just like to get that in first. <laughs> uh, you spoke earlier about the, the Book of Enoch. You mentioned it a couple of times. I was just wanting to ask you, is, is the Bible, uh, is the books been missing from the Bible? Is there books that should have been in the Bible that have been hidden from us? Or what other books can we look into? Well, well, yeah, there's books that should be in the Bible. The, the, yeah. um, that there is a, a legitimate Enoch that, that the apostles had, had quoted, but doesn't exist to us today for the most part. And, and there was a Harvard professor named John Strugnall. He was a Catholic priest, Father John Strugnall. He was one of the few scholars that was intimately familiar with the Dead Sea Scrolls before and after the Jewish takeover of the scrolls. Western scholars pretty much had um, access to the scrolls until the Jews took the West Bank in 1967 and basically confiscated them and only would allow a few select Jewish scholars access to them. So they opened it up again to other scholars in 1993. So for 25 years, the scrolls were virtually locked down. John Strugnall had made the claim, and, and he was basically run out of academia as an anti-Semite. He made the claim that there was an entire um, Aramaic Enoch missing from the Dead Sea Scrolls collection by the time he, he could access the scrolls again. And, and he caught hell for that. And, and a few other things he said about Jews. So we don't have a complete ancient Enoch. We only have that Ethiopic manuscript that's been added to, that's been interpolated, it's been corrupted, in my opinion. So I don't find it entirely trustworthy. But if we had that entire Enoch, that should probably be in our scriptures. 
if we had um okay the wisdom of solomon from the apocrypha that belongs in our scriptures without a doubt first first mm -hmm. maccabees belongs in our scriptures even though it's not the complete story of the maccabees it's not it's only the first half of the story um do I think many other apocryphal books belong in canonical, canonical scripture? Probably not. Um, out of the canonical, out of the apocryphal books, Sirach is a, a good book of wisdom, which gives us um, insight into the mind of a pious man who lived around the turn of the third century bc around the same time as alexander the great and it's a good book of wisdom but is it the inspired word of god no it's not tobit is an interesting story that should probably be in our scripture as for its historical value and and some of its attitudes ab about um, angels and things like that. Tobit is an interesting read. It really is. That was probably written by a pious man, but I don't consider it the inspired word of God. But books can be just as valuable for their historical content that, than they are for, for their, their religious content. So Tobit is valuable historically. Judith, the apocryphal book, is a romance novel as good as any other Jewish romance novel. It should be struck. It needs to be struck. Um, I don't believe that the apocryphal Baruch is legitimate. Bell and the Dragon is a fairy tale. Susanna, that book should be at the beginning of our book of Daniel. It should be the opening chapter of Daniel. That should be in the Bible. That the um, pseudepigraphal literature, most of it shouldn't be accepted. The Shepherd of Hermas, what was um, a first century, maybe very early second century work that early Christians accepted as a biblical New Testament book. So perhaps that should be considered valuable by Christians. It's been a long time since I've read it. So I, I can't, um, I can't speak for the contents of it. Other than that, the only book in the Bible that does not belong there is Esther. Esther is a Jewish romance novel, just like Judith. It doesn't belong in the Bible. It's garbage. It's trash. I have a and Bill, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Genesis in there, wasn't it all there, but just those two verses were removed, the one about the birth of Cain and the Genesis 6 giants, is that correct? In, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, because the Jews had them locked up for so long, it's hard to tell what should have been there or what could have been there, but there's a lot of crucial passages that are missing from the Dead Sea Scrolls. And one of those passages is Genesis chapter four, verse one. So there's no record of it in, in, in the Dead Sea Scrolls so far as we could tell. Yeah. They
Are you with me? Did I lose you? You cut out. It's his connection. It it could be my connection. It, it could yeah, be it's me. your connection. I got popped out just a, a minute ago too. I think I think um, you know when our connection goes bad, it does that. Yeah, I couldn't hear you for a little there, Phil, near the end. So I, I'm looking through what's called the Dead Sea Scrolls Bible. It's a, a collection of translations of of the fragments of Dead Sea Scrolls that are actually copies of biblical books. Most publications of the Dead Sea Scrolls only contain the books that are not in the Bible. You know, do our, um, our people, do they have access to the original Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, under glass or whatever? to make sure that um, things weren't taken out of it well, well, that's that, given to the public? That's the thing. All, all the damage is probably already done. That there's a lot of things that are supposedly, according to John Strugnell, missing from the scrolls. Scrolls that are missing that he said were there. Um, at least that Aramaic Enoch, right? Who, has, uh, who holds the Dead Sea Scrolls? They were, who, where, they were they in they a lodged? museum. They were in a in, they were in a facility that was funded by the Rockefellers on the West Bank oh. of the Jordan. Well, there you go. Outside Jerusalem, <laughs> right? When the yeah. 1967 war came, the Jews took over the West Bank, and that facility where the Dead Sea Scrolls were was one of the, the the bonuses that they got when they took the West Bank. And that was 1967. Yeah, Genesis chapter 4, verse 1 is not represented in the, this translation of the Dead Sea Scrolls I have. So Genesis chapter 6 starts at verse 13. So that the important part of that isn't there. And Genesis chapter 5, most of that is missing. They must know who they are then. They yeah. very specifically removed those verses. Well, well, we don't really know that they removed them. I, I mean, if they were going to take anything out, that, that, that might be a good place for them to start. But we don't really know that they removed them. The Dead Sea Scrolls, they're a collection of papyrus that were kept in um, pottery jars in caves for 2,000 years. And when you open them up, you're going to have a lot of dust that used to be pieces of scroll. Now, they found remarkable portions of some books that were um, stored in the Dead Sea Scrolls in many copies, like Isaiah is almost complete in the Dead Sea Scrolls. But chunks of many other books are missing. There are many other books of the scripture that are, are um, mostly gone. So were, were those things missing or are they conveniently missing? I can't say that. I, I can't call it either way because I just don't know.
No, can I can I comment on um, something else? This is just an observation from a um, person that's not very um, well versed in the Bible, being me. Is that um, Seth? You know, when you look at uh, Seth's uh, genealogy and Cain's, how um, they have a lot of the same names. Right, and several theories have been formulated to try to account for that. It, it's, uh, I mean. Language is language. If if you had a bastard brother and, and he moved to another state, married a woman and, and started naming kids and, and you had four or five kids and started naming kids because you both have a, a kind of common family line, yet you might name your kids the same names. Yeah. At least some of them, right? Yeah, because I... Because I know, like the the Masons, one of the things they really like to do is um, the mirroring, you know. So they'll take something for good and they'll use it for bad, like like how they um, the Germans are good, but they make the Germans look bad. Like they how they say they're uh, the chosen people, you know how they always take the good and then they they stick it on them, you know, making them the 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 true Adamites when they're not. You know, I, I so it kind of seems that. like they were doing something like that back but then, you know, to imagine that the Kenites had purposely named their children the same as the descendants of Seth is to imagine that they were in close contact with one another. Yeah. OK. You know, Ooh, is there um, any relevance I mean, I know um, Noah gave us the, sorry, uh, Moses gave us the Genesis 10 nations, and he also, descendants of Cain, and then we get these four descendants, is it Tubal Cain, um, but is there any relevance to those last four? Because nothing ever seems to amount from them. We just get Kenites and other races. Well, well, I mean, they are collectively the Kenites, right? That, that's why Cain's genealogy is there, to let us know that these Kenites are, are people. I, I mean, it's not just um, for decoration that Cain's descendants are, are listed. Zilha, Tubal Cain. Sorry, I've got it in front of me now. Tubal Cain, Jubal, and Nehemiah. His brother's name was Jubal. Yeah, you know, I don't think we're going to ever find these people in ancient history. I really don't. There's significance to this being here that we've lost the entire cultural context. I don't think we're going to find these people in ancient history. Except that they are the progenitors of the Kenites. Yeah, you know, exactly. You know, another one too is uh, Enoch. How you have the um, like the Luciferians? You know, they have their Enochian magic. Right. You know, they do everything. They use Enoch for bad. Right, because Enoch what was um, <coughs> equated with Toth and. Hermes and, and the entire tradition of receiving secret knowledge from the gods. 
Hermes was the Greek messenger of the gods, and Toth was basically the Egyptian equivalent of that, and that the entire mystery tradition cults cult is built around that. Um, Toth is the god of writing magic wisdom and the moon. And and Enoch was was equated with him, and Hermes in the in in the Greek myth was was equated with him. I see. Hey, um, Wizkid, did is there anything you want to ask Bill? I know you you were saying you had some questions before. No, I'm just anything? soaking everything up, just enjoying listening to you. Uh... Folks talk. Everything's good, yeah. All right. What about Sean? Do you have any more for Bill? Can you hear me, guys? Yep. Yep. Well, I was going to say uh, regarding the, my, my earlier question, do, would, uh, is there a list of these books on your website, Bill, that I could be able to access the, these books from other books that not in the Bible? that you mentioned earlier, like from the Enoch? Yeah, you know... What, what, a list of the best ones that I could possibly read? I started last year... I get asked for a bibliography all the time. Right, And okay. my bibliography is only in my head and, and on the bookshelves that are around me, right? I actually did start last year to make a bibliography at Christagenia and... I got sidetracked, and I, I never finished the project. I did start it. It's somewhere in the Christagenia section of the Christagenia forum. It says Christagenia Library, and I started it December 23rd, 2017. 2018 was a hard year for me, and so was 2019. I, I have a, um, an announcement. This is a work in progress. I listed some Bibles, some links, some original language, the, the NA-27, concordances, lexicons, and I stopped there. So I should probably get back to that project. You're right. And, and maybe if you had something um, with the most important to least, you know, like a list. Mm-hmm. So the so the ones that you think are that are like must reads, you know, and and then go down from there for us, you know, because um, time is so, um, uh, you know, yeah, short for out. everybody. Yeah, yeah that that it, maybe maybe the ones that you think are most important that we should read, and we can go in order. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, that would be kind of um, subjective. It would change from person to person. Right. I mean, some people would be interested more in the scriptural spirituality type of reading and other people would be more interested in the historical reading. Well, maybe in categories. <laughs> you could have like a historical category yeah. and then maybe y'all could just come over to my house, have a beer and check out my book. <laughs> hey, I'm if you were closer, flight. I'd be there. I'm booking my flight just now. <laughs> we are. You know, Bill, when I moved to Idaho, I, I do. I'd love to come drive down and see you. And you're always welcome to come up. 
I could sit and listen to you all day. I'm not going to come. Yeah. <laughs> picking me out your house. Yeah. Well, well, I have um, Truthvids. You know Zethiel, right? Yeah. He's coming here on the 14th. He's oh, yeah, I heard Lance days. told me. He's coming right so over, right? You just get him to make a list, all right? Okay, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, can I can I ask you another one that um, I've been watching that um, that I like his work? Just wondering your opinion on him because I, I I don't know his work fully, you know, to see his wh where he is on uh, everything about CI is Richard Kelly Hoskins. What do you think about him? Yeah, you know, Richard Kelly Hoskins is a treasure when it comes to Southern history the South, the culture, the Bible, he's a treasure. But yeah. when it comes to theology um, and ancient history and things like that and, and putting the whole seed line story together, he, he's not there. Uh, yeah, because I, I like like some of the stuff I was listening. You know, he talks about... Um, how we can trace our um, heritage back to kings that were all related to kings. You know, it always has like a really um, positive message for whites, you know? So he makes it, um, you know, a joy to listen to. But um, so he, what, he's, is he a universalist then? Or is, oh does no. he follow the, pro the Protestant thinking then? Like you're saying, like um, similar to Weissman or? He's not a universalist, but he's probably on, on the race issue and things like that. He's probably closer to Weissman than he is to me. From what I remember. But he doesn't believe in mixing races, eating with strangers. He did a real a, a paper that I loved that I shared a lot with guys early on about eating with strangers. He did a book called The Wolf and the Sheep. And it was so well written and aimed at a um, young audience that I sent all my kids copies of that book when I was in prison. Right on. They didn't get it. Oh. One of them did, but <laughs> wow. It was a real good book. And 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 it was it it was perfect for that teenage age group, I thought. <laughs> so that's life. Hmm. Yeah. So when you say the wolf and the sheep, it makes me think of the um, the fairy tales. You know how they were made uh, to warn us, to warn um, children, our children of the Jew. You know, yeah, right. a lot of the stories. I, I've been saying that for years. I said that a lot, probably on early podcasts that the Rumpelstiltskin was a Jew. He, he was spinning gold out of wool, out of straw for the blood of a Christian baby. He's a Jew. That the ogre under the bridge was a Jew. That the, the witch in Hansel and Gretel was a Jew. These were all Jews. Yeah. The big bad wolf was a Jew, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we need to spread those, you know, those fairy tales are really good and, and just explain them to our children, you know, that they are Jews. Watch and, and, out for the Jews, you know. And, and then sometimes the, the, the medieval writers just mention the Jews, like Chaucer and, and the Jew among the thorns. Who was the author for the Wolf and the Sheep book? 
Richard Kelly Hoskins. Oh, good. Thank you. I think he's still alive. He's in um, Lexington, Virginia. Mark Downey knew him. I, I, I don't... Um, I don't accost people. If I'm introduced to them, that's fine. Or if they introduce themselves to me, that's fine. But I've never met Richard Hoskins and I've never talked to him because I've never been introduced to him or, or ran across them at anything. Yeah. Oh, I wish you guys could meet, you know, because he seems like um, a good guy and, um, you know, maybe you could teach him a thing or two on theology then and get him on the right page. He's in Lynchburg, there. Lynchburg, Virginia. You know, when I listen to him talk, he says things like hosts, you know, going to the hosts. And, oh and my. I, think, I think it's you, Sean, because he, he talks about how, you know, there's a way that the, uh, the Scots talked that came over. Right. You know, and he's like part Scottish. Right. So whenever, it's, yeah, whenever I hear him do his lectures and stuff, he says like this words in a certain way, and and it sounds like um, your accent. I think nice. I think you enjoy that. Yeah, it'd be great too because he's over in the south. You know, Bill with you. Yeah, I you mean, he's about an hour from where I was living when I was in Bristol, but now he's about ten hours. So. Oh yeah. 10 or 12. Well, if you ever drive up that way, you know, maybe you guys could do a, a chat together or something and put on Christogenia. He's already 91. I, I mean, maybe someday. Mark Downey. Yeah, that's knew why him. you should probably go see him soon, Bill. Mark Downey <laughs> knew him, but I, I was just never introduced to him. I, I don't like to yeah. foist myself onto people. I'm not liked by everybody. Yeah. By everybody. There's a whole bunch of CI people that just have a strong dislike for me. Ted Wyland and the Charles Weissman crew. Yeah. That they have a um, conference every year and I'm never invited, but that's okay. Well, a whole lot of people don't like Jesus either. My, my feelings aren't hurt by it. Yeah. Uh, Weissman has a... Um... He, he at the end of the um the one on the two c line um and um and a separate lecture he talks about the heart and he talks about how people um don't want to hear the truth message because they go with what they feel is in their hearts is is what um in instead of what the truth is you know that we have to watch for that and um and i believe him in that part but he says that when he talks about dual seed line, like, so he's saying it from the opposite way, you know, like he's saying that, um, that you're in your heart, you might believe in dual seed line, but these are the facts, you know? So it's, he, he's manipulating people by doing that, you know? Absolutely. Because yeah, everyone always uses our, our heart against us. And, and I feel like in that instance, he was doing that using it against us. I would have been more than happy to debate Charles Weissman or any of these people on the subject. Well, that's the best I could offer. Yeah. He, he it's funny that they're never willing to debate you. It's well, kind of admitting defeat, isn't it? Well, well right. I, I mean, where did those Genesis 6 giants come from that were already in the earth? I want to know. And the word is Nephilim. <laughs> 
and it means fallen ones. Where'd they come from? I want to know. Where did Genesis exactly. 15 Kenites come from? Did God create Cain's wife? Cain built a city. Did God create those people? Because they're not listed in Genesis chapter 1 or 2 or 3. Well, there's a lot of problems with their view. If, if God created man kind after kind, and there's only one seed line, then how do you have all these these um, drastically different types of man that Charles Weissman pointed out in that book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know something in, in, in um, Malachi chapter two, have we not all one father? Do we not all have the same God? And, and that idea is refuted. We don't all have one father. Judah married the daughter of a strange God. How, how, how do you be the daughter of a strange God? So we don't all have one father. That is a prophecy of exactly what happened with Christ. Malachi 2 is a prophecy of the events in John chapter 8, where Christ said, you are from beneath, and denied them that God was their father. So how does Weissman explain that? They can't explain that. I would crucify them on that. They can't explain it. Unless they understand, unless they're willing to admit to seed line. There's a lot of ways to, to, to attack these people. But you have to be instant in the scriptures in order to do it standing on your feet. So two Sioux line is true from one end of the Bible to the other. Otherwise, how do you get strange slips and broken cisterns? <laughs> I can keep talking. <laughs> Most of my listeners have heard this stuff a thousand and, times. And it, and it so well explains what's happening today. You know, two Sioux line is what explains it perfectly. Absolutely. What we're going through. Absolutely. Satan. You only have to look at Detroit to... How is yeah. the Jew Satan? How is the Jew the synagogue of Satan? If they came from God, if they were born of God. Yeah. They, they and they, and they have all, all that. The that, evil nature within them. The non-seed liners spiritualize all that. That they spiritualize it, they pretend that Jews have a choice. You know, Jews have not taken the choice in 80 generations since the time of Christ. They've all been evil. Yeah, I think if we um, actually could see the their brain, I bet we would see that their, um, their lobe, uh, you know, where the emotions are, empathy and stuff like that, theirs would be very small. <laughs> you know, I think it's, I think they're actually built like that, you know? Oh, I'm certain. <clears throat> they have no shame. They have no true empathy. What, when they enact, what, when they engage in charity, it's for their own good to exalt themselves. They don't engage in charity in, in, in a humble manner and a quiet manner. They always make a big show out of it. That they, they build hospitals. They put plaques up and name the hospitals after themselves and put these big plaques up. 
So they don't engage in charity except to be seen by men. That's how Christ explains it in Matthew chapter 23. Yeah. It, it's they're, they're totally different animals. Satanic animals. Yeah, Homo Satanicus. Yeah, that's a good that's a good name for them. <laughs> we're Homo Sapiens, and they're Homo Satanicus. As as I said earlier, uh, Rosette, most Adamites are Homo Mutus at the moment. Homo dumb. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Muta, Mutus and uh, Sapiens. Luckily, we're all Sapiens here. Yeah, yeah. I would say. Shoo. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Bill, I, I guess we should um, we should conclude our chat. We've been on, I think, almost three hours. I know time flies. Yeah. Um, do you want to, um, do you want, if you ever want to do any in the future, I'd love to have you back. I'm sorry. You know, it, it took so long. Um, I know you're really busy. Yeah, you know, I do have that problem with the email, but it looks like it's getting through now. Well, but, well that's um, my ProtonMail account though. I don't understand how you, you're being rejected still from the Christoginian server. Because I don't know. Email, I am. I feel bad. I'm rejected. <laughs> I, I sent you like 10 emails and, and I would get yours. And then I re reply and I get nothing. And then I found out that you never got them, you know, and I'm like, okay, I well, I feel that. better. At least you never got them. <laughs> I don't get that. I, yeah. I host my own mail know. server. It's my mail server. I configured it. I set it up. I hosted. I get all kinds of email from other people. I don't get why I can't yeah. get yours. I get my own email. I test it. I don't with know. My own Gmail account. You know, I'll make another email. Um, maybe, maybe it's something to do with the Gmail. Maybe I'll make an email on another one and just email you from it, you know, like on another. Like maybe I should do a Proton or something. Maybe Because that's a safer Gmail. one anyway, right? Maybe it's Gmail that won't allow you to send the mail to me. I, I don't know. It's crazy. Well, I, my Gmail is all messed up because um, ever since they um, deleted my uh, YouTube account, I it's all messed up with my Gmail and everything. Because you know how the... Um, the Gmail is connected to like your YouTube, like everything, it's all connected. So maybe it has something to do with that. I don't know. Or else it's just the Jew straight up messing. Yeah, well that's and the you, yeah. that, that's the convenient boogeyman at all times. It's always it true. is. <laughs> and it's always true. And it is, it's true though. <laughs> Every single time. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I think I'll just make a proton then one and I'll email you from that. But if you ever want to um, come back, like maybe in a few months, if you have some free time, we can um, think of a, a topic and have another chat. Yes, definitely. I, I, I mean, it's up to you to think of the topic. I could talk about a lot of things. Uh, um, it, it's. All right. Hey, did did you get the? I don't know if you got my email then, the one with um, mentioning the Seattle event, or did you see that on Facebook, or anyone mention that to you? That in um, November third, that there might be something. Have you looked into that at all? 
what event? I'm, I'm sorry. Okay, so you probably didn't get it. Okay, so so um, there's there's a there might be several people I don't know, but I know there's this one guy. It's a German guy. He has a channel called uh, Cooking with Willie, but he says it in German. It's like Kochen mit Willi or whatever, okay. and it's like he basically has like a cooking channel, you know. But um, he's been looking at um, uh, events. Um, taking it from like he sees little things like in movies and um i don't know where just like all over on the media basically um showing that um an event like you know how they did it with 911 how they found like in uh, the simpsons there there was it showed that 911 um, okay. came up like with bart's ticket and stuff I'm, like that I'm... so he he found stuff for um november 11th that uh an event might take place in seattle on November 11th of this year, and no, is it's it, is it not, compelling. Is it not the third of November? Three eleven. Yeah, the third. Did what did I say? Did you said November, November 11. Oh no! Yeah, sorry, not November 11. November third. November third, yeah. and that's the same same date that um, a uh, what is it? The Seattle Seahawks is playing the Tampa Buccaneers, I guess, in the in their stadium or whatever. And um, there's um, stuff showing like that there might be like an explosion, like something happening around um, that event. And they show like the space needle and the uh, it getting blown up or knocked off, you know, stuff like that. Okay. Okay. So I know it, what you're talking my, about. I, I, I understand what you're talking about, but I, I, it's just not to me to, for me to engage in all that. I don't even watch media. I don't even watch. I watch yeah. zero news. I watch zero mainstream media. I'm just totally disengaged from all that. It, if we, it, if we engage ourselves with the news and current events and what's happening out in the world, um, what we basically live a life based on fear porn. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> Yeah, we should expect. I mean, I, we should expect bad things to happen to our people all the time until they repent. That's true. I mean, I don't watch the news and stuff either. All I do is I'll, I'll get uh, bits from um, friends, you know, that um, see things and and they'll share with me. But um, I, I mean, like this November third um, one. I mean. Wouldn't it be, just be good if people just stay away from the area just in case, you know, because it does, because we know how the Jew works and 9-11, um, um, you know, they blame 9-11 on Iraq. And um, right now they're trying to get us in a war with Iran. And if they did do this event and it did happen, that they would probably blame it on Iran to get us in World War Three. You know, because they, they try and find ways. They do their false flag events. Yeah, right. The Jews want a war with Iran. The Jews want a war with Russia. I know they do. Yeah, you know, I look at this through the lens of Luke chapter 13. That's how I look at it. That They were present that season. Some that told him, meaning Christ, of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. That means that he killed a bunch of Galileans on the Sabbath day. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans, because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. 
but unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Or those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them. Do you think that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So, so we have to take these worldly catastrophes with a grain of salt and as a warning that the rest of our people should repent or this shit's going to keep happening. That's the way I look at it. My whole worldview is totally different than anything you might be accustomed to in that respect. So I expect bad things to happen. I expect there to be another mass shooting tomorrow and the next day and the next day or, or um, more black on white crime tomorrow and the next day and the next day. We should have plenty of it. We should have plenty of black and white crime until these stupid ass white people. Uh, I think um, Scotland Sean just called them homo stupid or, or I, I forget the epithet he used <laughs> homo mutus yeah homo mutus how about how about or homo potato homo potatoes <laughs> right they're like potatoes most white people are like potatoes and and they, they just sit there and keep taking it we need more black on white crime it should be in every house so that white people wake the hell up and, and figure out that they're doing something wrong and seek to find out what it is. That, yeah. that sounds cruel, but that's the same attitude Christ had in Luke chapter 13. And as a Christian, that has to be the attitude that I have. And, and we how much do you think it actually, Bill, I, how much I, you think it actually takes? Cause if you look at like South Africa, I mean, they're taking a lot and they, don't seem to be doing anything. Maybe I'm a little ignorant, but I always see is just more of the black and white crime. Well, well, the problem in South Africa is the two thirds of South Africa, the two thirds of white South Africans, two thirds of white South Africans are engaged with the niggers and carrying on business as usual. And they only care mm -hmm. about themselves and their jobs. They're the sinners that two thirds that's not suffering they're the sinners. They should withdraw themselves totally from that nigger economy and, and join that one third of white South Africans that are sitting in the dust. That's what they should do. It's the two thirds yeah. engaged in the system that are helping enable those blacks to do what they're doing. They're the sinners. I see. Okay. Well, things are only going to get worse and worse, so there's going to have to be, you know, uh, whites waking up, you know, because well, well, they will get knocked senseless and they'll, you know, it will wake up, <laughs> to, like, physically get knocked in the head. I have a podcast with like 130, 140,000 downloads called Stripped Bare and Naked. What's it called again? Stripped Bare and Naked. Stripped Bare and Naked, okay. It's in the um, classics corner section at the bottom of my front page. The immigration problem and biblical prophecy and no safe haven, stripped bare and naked. And they both have like 130, 140,000 downloads. They need 130, 140 million. That's what they need. Yeah. But I'm not ever going to get those kind of numbers. 
Yeah. That's where we're headed. If people don't repent, that's where we're headed. Stripped bare and naked. But in order for them to repent, they have to, we have to go through that, right? They might have to. That's the shame of it. They might have to. Because I thought, you know, I've only been in CI for less than a year, but I've spent uh, probably more time than most, you know, in the B system around non-whites, right, before coming to CI and even in my work situation, you know, still. But it seems to me it's only going to be if, like, every city is like Detroit or South Africa or close to that before they could wake up and, you know, turn their backs on their sin and, you know, cry out to God for salvation. Everybody has to lose all their creature comforts, right? You have to lose their Netflix, you know, uh, and everything. Well, well, right. But we we would, I mean, you can't tell the future. And prophecy doesn't exist so that you could read it and tell the future. Mm -hmm. But we would forestall a lot of punishment if we came out of Babylon. And then we're told that we wouldn't be punished with her along for her sins if we just got out we shouldn't be christians should not be supporting netflix christians shouldn't be going to these churches where, where fags marry each other or, or to support this sodomy it, it's wow right you had that thread on the forum this week with the video of the um of the uh, church where they were uh, everybody was standing up clapping because some homo uh, got on his knee to another homo Yep. Uh, and, got in <laughs> and that was in the South. I would expect something like that in New York. That was in Austin, Texas. Yeah, these big cities in Texas might as well be in New York at this point. I guess. You know, Bill, I think eventually um, whites will stop watching um, the movies and Netflix and stuff like that because it's getting so bad. You know, um, I went, I did go to the movies um, not too long ago. I brought my boys and um, I forgot what we even saw. I can't even think of what we saw. It was that good. <laughs> but the thing is, is that the, the previews, all the previews, the movies, they were all black people. Yes, all everybody's saying that. It is yeah. significantly worse now. It's like when, you, when I go into the gym and they got the TVs on the wall, uh, yeah. You know, for everybody on the treadmills, it is like 75% black, regardless of the news or with Shark Tank or whatever it is. It's like 75% black. It's like flip the switch. Like what decade did I wake up? Exactly. In? There's hardly any. It's all the um, the blacks are all the heroes. They're the leading men now, like Idris uh, Elba or Alba or whatever his last name is, yep. you know. He's from he's he was uh, he's from the UK, you know, which is ridiculous, right? So he's like the face of the Englishman now. They yep. make him like the the leading actor in all these movies now, and they put him as like the face of the English. You right. Know? Remember in the in the Marvel uh, version of uh, you know Norse mythology, Thor and all that, they made him Heimdall, uh, which yeah. is a complete joke. They had a black uh, Valkyrie. And it just yeah. keeps on going. The insults just, but in, uh, but in Black Panther, you know, uh, there's uh, the only white people, uh, they're making racist comments about us saying we're colonizers. You know, yeah. I wish we, and I wish we, I wish we lived up to their insults. You know what I mean? But it's like, we're yeah. kind of not, but we really should be. But, and then they make Bill, they make uh, Thor 
like in the latest one, uh, they made Thor like retiring. He has like a big pot belly and he's sitting on the couch, like drinking a beer. And he, he, uh, gives, hands the reins over to Asgard, um, to, I guess she's a Valkyrie or whatever. I don't know, but to this mixed black chick. So it's a girl and she's black. And now she, uh, is the ruler of Asgard yeah, and well, Thor symbolic. has a that's, big pot belly and retired. That, that's what the Jews are doing to us. They're mocking us. Yes, exactly. So mocking us. Well, when when I lost my job as a sergeant in in a corrections facility in New Jersey, I was replaced by the appointment of a a temporary appointment of a black woman. Which was just, uh, I guess they just wanted to slap me in the face or something by insulting me like that. And and that's the way it is. That's exactly what's going on in our society. These um, overweight, lazy white men are being pushed out of the way for black chicks to take over. The Jew is yeah. mocking us. That's a mockery. And if you watch the news, um, you know, which I don't, but I, I do watch this one channel on um, Bitchu that shows uh, black on white crime. And um, and so whatever uh, you call it flattery, uh, it's just no, it's just called black. It's called it's called Fire Rises, actually. Fire Rises. Oh, thank you. I'll check it out. Yeah, it's really good. And so what it does that channel, all they do is report on black on white crime so people can see it, you know, and uh, it's basically news clips. So whenever a black person like kills a white person, they'll show the news clip on it. And when you watch the clip, you see the atrocious things being done to whites. And then you see the reporter talking about it. And 90, 99% of the time that reporter is a black uh, man or woman. So it's like a, a way to stifle white people from uh, speaking out on it. You know, they have a black reporter reporting on it and the black reporter is all civilized and in a suit, you know, right. and you're supposed to think, oh, look, some of them are actually good. It's not it's not everybody. It's just these black thugs. You know, they it's not blacks as a right. whole, you know, and then it also pisses me off that they're taking whites jobs. You know, they're not the best people for the job. They give them to them, and then um, the whites don't have the jobs. Like in South Africa, where you know so many of our white people are, are in poverty because all the jobs that they could have done that are better in are being taken by the blacks. You know. Well, I was looking at that in 1993. What's that noise? So <laughs> it's been going on for a long time. Is that you, Wizkid? Is that you in the background? No, sorry about that. He's playing video games. Yeah, there's something going on. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a freeway. No, sorry. Uh, and I live on the river. It's just uh, someone oh, driving. Right. I'll mute it. Oh, no, no worries. Just ain't the worst of it. Sometimes the house just vibrates. I'm like, is somebody coming to my house? No, it's just these people with the radios blasting. Uh, you know, <laughs> when they do their drive-by. Yeah. No, I, I, I was just going to add to your uh, what you guys were saying there. I, I look at the, the BBC news quite often, but I use it to decode it and I use it to wake friends up and show them evidence. Uh, but I would just second what Rosette was saying there. All over your news, all the, 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 the do lovely, great stories and they're all about black people and all the terrible stories are about white people. 
if they show they talk about vaccinations, it's all white people they show, and this theme goes on and on every single day, and it's getting really, really bad now. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, well, well, I watched this thing in uh, Garden Grove. It happened last month where this maniac, this guy, uh, went around all around Garden Grove and he was stabbing people just randomly. And they finally caught him. But um, uh, they, uh, after they caught him, they found out he killed four people and wounded two. And then they were reporting uh, him on the news that he was a white guy. And then when you see his picture, he was Mexican. George Zimmerman, right? No, no, this just happened in Garden Grove. No, I was making a joke, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, like George. Exactly. Yeah, yeah like I should have I should, I added the yeah, like. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, you know, the, if it's a, because they had to report that one because that one was, you know, affecting the community. Too many people knew what's going on. It has to be on the news, you know. But so then they say he's a white guy, but he was um, obviously a Mexican guy. But, you know, uh, what we were talking about a few minutes ago about, uh, you know, replacing white people in media and their own stories. Um, if you watch, like, any of, like, the Bible, you know, based, like, movies that these Jude uh, Judeo Christian organizations, like, Focus on the Family, uh, John, uh, James Dobson, those type of people will put out. Like, uh, the Samson movie, they made him, uh, Samson was black in that one. And then in, in all these movies about Jesus, you know, he's brown. Well, well, I mean, this trend's been going on for 30 years, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, the last movie I saw from end to end was Braveheart. That's the last time I watched a movie complete. And that was like wow. 91. 91. Oh, my. But when I first got to prison in 96, I watched part of a movie called Independence Day. And I watched like the last 20 minutes of it. And what you had was UFOs blowing up American cities, and the world was saved by a nigger and a Jew and an Apple laptop. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's about yeah. it. Yeah. I remember that as a kid. Yeah. Uh, that was a good one. I mean, well, not really anymore, right? But at the time, I thought it was a good one. That was 19. You're absolutely right. 95, 96, that movie came out. And the world was saved mm -hmm. by a nigger, a Jew, and an Apple laptop. Like, the Apple laptop technology was um, compatible with the UFO spaceship alien technology. Like only an idiot would fall for that. But the Jews, <laughs> the Jews, it don't matter. They could write anything up and people will just love it and go along with it. So this stupid looking white president made this really um, mushy speech about how all the races of the world have to unite to defend ourselves from these alien invaders. And, and, yeah. And <laughs> this message ha has been consistent in, in with these Jews in Hollywood for 30, 40, 50 years it's been going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was just a little more subtle even back in the 90s. But... Yeah, yeah, now they now they throw the transvestites in there. Yeah, yeah. it's right in your face now. Yeah, it's really bad. Sean has uh, he looks um, every day looks in the news, and he finds the clips of all the um, politicians, actors, you know, whoever's in the news, um, and shows that they're actually trannies in disguise. You know that there's a ton of them now. 
Yeah, so so a controller. <laughs> Sean, do you have a channel or a, a website? I, I do not actually know. Nothing at all. <laughs> I, I wish I had the time. I would love to do it. <laughs> I'm actually doing it during my work. <laughs> well, hey, you know. <laughs> then you won't be the first person. Yeah. Or the last. Yeah. Well, if yeah, I run this program in... tomorrow, I think I'm going to start it at like 4 p.m. Say it again, Bill? If what I run say? this program at Christogenia tomorrow, I think I'm going to start it at like 4 p.m. Because yeah, we've been on for a few hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Bill, would you um, would you be willing to come back maybe in a, in a month or so? Maybe we could have another chat and we'll get some good questions lined up for you. Yeah, that's fine. Maybe you could actually make a list of questions about the Bible basics thing. I, I mean, I didn't get, get involved in a couple of those conversations on your bit shoot, but some of those people are just clowns. Others, I'm sure, are well-meaning um, that had rudimentary questions. But I, I don't know. Maybe something like that would be, would, would be um, worthwhile, something a little more targeted. Okay, yeah, I could give you like um... – you know, if we figure out a date, I'll give you um, like a week before or something. I'll I'll gather everything, so I I don't just throw it at you. Well, I mean, it don't matter. I can, I'm not going to prepare for a program like that. I'm never going to prepare for a Q and A. If I can't answer the questions, I don't deserve to be doing this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think you you just you know everything every anyway. You don't need to. Uh, well, I know. don't know everything, <laughs> but I know my subjects. Yeah. Yes, yeah, your knowledge base is incredible, and it's just lovely to listen to you. Thank you very much. Yeah. I appreciate that, but this is all I do. Well, we're glad that's all you yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. We need someone yeah. that that's yeah, all they do. You know. We're blessed that you do it. We there's, are blessed. There's not many of you. None of, none of you around. To yeah. be honest. Well, it's been a pleasure. It really has. I'm not trying to rush you all out of here, but I, I, I just no, feel no. like it's kind of slowing down, and mm -hmm. it, it's really been a pleasure. Yeah. I appreciate you having me. And yeah, we could do this again in a month. Early, all right. Early November would be good. Okay. Yeah, that'll be fun. Let's do that. Wonderful. Thank you. All right. Thanks for coming. Thank over. you, Bill. Praise Christ. Thanks, Bill. Okay. Yeah, we bless. Okay, bye, guys. Thanks, Rosette. Thanks, Sean. Thank Thanks, Thanks yeah. Take care. Nice to to you the guys. next time.